And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John Josh the Punk Thompson drinking his little prime drink because he's got to be one of those yep. social media type guys you know. that will actually buy KSI and Logan Paul's syrup. You sick <sighs> bastard. Yeah, look at what dude. See, you're, yeah. dude, they're flat. Flat. And you know why? Because you're drinking that shit prime. Just call me the Uncle Cringe. <laughs> monster <laughs> oh man oh man uh what's up my man how you doing I like the, the white monsters i like the most but they oh, actually just nice. came out with that that pink one the new pink one yeah, it's not too bad yeah the yeah, strawberry it's one it's not too bad i don't like yeah. the the original one is way too sweet for me yeah the original uh, all with the black can with the, the green. green yeah, yeah. <sighs> man it's just i just can't i can't even get through a whole can of it it's too sweet yeah. but uh the white one is definitely... You got me on the white ones, man. I, I curse you for it every single day. I, I'm a bad person. I've gotten all... Sean Grandy. I've gotten so many oh, people on that thing. I, I have created monsters for monsters. Yeah, they make me take a <laughs> piss, though, like so much. Dude, like, they do. Man. They're like a damn diuretic. I'm like, oh, shit. I got to piss. Yeah. Gosh, damn it. Yep. Uh, man, we got some good shows going on today. But hey, before we do that, let's go to OnlyFans.com slash Wayne and subscribe to us over there. It is free for you guys to sub uh, subscribe to us. We'll be doing a... We'll be doing a Q&A coming up from there. And we only Ooh. take questions from the Q&A uh, once we return from Paris, John and I. So we will have plenty to talk about from this weekend. But we want to mix in with some of the fans, really kind of connect with them. We've had a lot of new signups over on uh, OnlyFans. And we want to thank those uh, people who are signed up over there and submitting their fan questions. Thank you, guys. All right, John. Let's. Uh, I think. Look. Let's just jump right in. We got Bellator this weekend. We got UFC this weekend. We got a young star, man, a young stud over in Bell. Uh, not Bellator, but in the UFC in the main event. Almeida is a stud, young stud. I don't know how young he is. I mean, but he. I think he's a younger kid, about twenty six. I think twenty seven. He's, he's, he's like younger than his opponent. Yeah, absolutely. This is true. <laughs> and uh, Bellator, man, we got the grizzled old veteran. Seeing if he can get back to that title again. Gegard Mousasia coming off of his loss. From Johnny Eblen and against Fabian Edwards coming off of his knockout win over Lyoto Machida. Um, was that his last fight? I thought he had another no. one in between there. No, he had one more in there. Uh, Guess with who? Uh, Come on. Charlie uh, Ward. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I didn't Charlie work that Ward show. Took him that's the why. Distance. I didn't work that Charlie, show. That's why. Charlie Ward took him the distance, man. Yeah. That, that kind of shocked well, me, to be honest. How do you go against someone like Machida? See, it, it, we, it, come on. How do you do these things? Let's be honest. You fight to people's Here's, levels of your opponent. Bingo. God, this is what happens man. when you are someone that's very talented. Mm -hmm. And he is. I'm going to give him, you know, he's like his brother. He's very talented. He's got a lot of skill. And when someone he looks at, like, easy. Inferior. Exactly. Guess what? He doesn't yep. do things exactly the same as he does when he's got someone like a Gegard Mousasi facing him, which mm -hmm. I know that he has trained very hard for and he's prepared for. Mm -hmm. And so it's that's just part of growing. It's growing as a fighter, you know, and it's you cannot overlook anybody. Yeah, he is one of those guys. The only guy that I've ever seen him rise up above uh, fighting to their level was the uh, Falco Nieto, what, uh, Nieto Falco. That oh, yeah. Was, uh, yeah. When he did the up kicks. Up and kick that, and he I really believe the only reason why he fought above that level was because they had a big exchange at the weigh-ins. 
Yeah. Neto had pushed him at the weigh-ins, talked a bunch of trash, really tried to get into him at, at weigh-ins, and then that tr- that transferred over into fight night. It's almost like you well, have to yeah, light a fire into his ass a little bit. You do because you know, and it's there's something about Fabian in that he doesn't light his own fire. It's, mm-hmm. Someone's got to do it for him almost. And you take a look at his fight with Costello Van Stinas. Look, he got his ass handed to him in the second round. It was like, oh, you're in trouble. And he came out in that third round, and he was putting it on Van Steen. So you go, where is this guy all the time? This is the guy. I mean, if you unleash him and you can, you know, at any moment do the things that you're doing in here, you're a... you're a, you're a world beater. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Is it is it like a? I think because he is so young in his career still, is that he is somebody that's not sure if he has enough in the tank to go the full three hard with someone of a caliber of like a a Van Stinas or a Gegard Musasi. Well, he better have in the tank this because he's got a full five. Oh yeah, he's gonna he's gonna need it for this. He's gonna. I honestly believe the longer the fight goes, the, I think a little bit better for him. Because he is the younger fighter. Gegard's at what, 37, 36, yeah. 37, somewhere in there. Yeah. You know, and Gegard, I know he's fought everybody. He's got the who's who. He's He's been a champion in almost every organization he's been to. And people are going to say, oh, yeah, he, you know, he left the UFC. He left the UFC for a lot more money. You know, so I like when people were talking about, like, look at some of the fighters that have left the UFC. They left because they want more money and they can get it somewhere else. I mean, you can't knock fighters for doing Excuse that. Me. This is called what? What are no, they called? They, what is it called? Prize fighting. Prize fighting. Prize fighting. Dave, what are they called? Because I want to see if the you're prize, actually paying attention, Dave. The prize is money. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> Dave? You think it wasn't listening? What's it called, Dave? <laughs> it's called MMA. Oh, my gosh. Oh, geez. there you go. It, you were, there you go. Yeah, these, they're prize fighters. And so, Gegard has done this notoriously when he was with Dream, was the champion over there. Then he came to Strike Force. And he made a ton of money over there. At the time, it was considered a lot Champion of money. There Champion there. And then he goes over to the UFC. And when he left, he left on a win streak. And he also left um, for more money. He was ranked number five or four or five or whatever in the division when he left. Yeah. Well, so uh, just think think of some of the fights that he had there. You know, he had the one loss to Uriah Hall where he was winning the fight. Let's just be honest. He was winning it easily. And then got got caught with a kick. Mm-hmm. And it hurt him, and then he came back to beat uh, Uriah Hall again. But, yeah. you know, UFC 200, I will tell you, you know, I couldn't believe how he just dominated Thiago Santos. Yeah. I mean, it, was, it wasn't close. He mauled him one round. It was over. Mm-hmm. You know, and you look, and, you know, Vitor Belfort, same thing. Then he came back, and he beat Chris Weidman in a, in a bit of a weird fight because there was, you know, some things going on, but... That's what happens when, you know, you think you can, eh, who knows, get away with something. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it, but. And, then, but then he, and then he beats uh, Chris Weidman, TKO, and then scroll up a little bit more there, buddy. Yeah. He beat Uriah Hall with the TKO up. Not uh, down. Not, not down. down. Yeah. Uh, the Bellator after that? Oh, is it okay? Yeah. So, like, yeah. I mean, like, he won two, but, three, But coming four, out of the UFC, five. one, two. Five. Five, five fight win streak in the UFC coming into when he left. You know what's funny he, is they're he, like he didn't leave because he can't fight. No, the, the number one because oh, the, the people are too good. The first thing people say is oh he lost to Uriah Hall. And I'm like yeah, but he also beat Uriah Hall after he lost to him. Yeah, it's like him. guys, calm down. And I believe he was ranked number five at the time or number four, four or five. I think it was five at the time when he left. And the same thing with uh, Corey Anderson. Corey Anderson left. He was ranked number four in the world, uh, whatever their world rankings were, and also in the UFC. Yeah. So. 
Uh, but I think, but he also is another guy, very much like a Fabian Edwards, where he fights to his opponent's level. Yes, he does. And that is a big mistake. So whichever one decides to raise their game that night, yep. I think he's going to have success. Now, you're with Gegard, I've known Gegard for years, years and years because of the Strike Force days, the Dream days, all of those things. Man, he is somebody that he fights at his opponent's level, but he just tends to be a lot better than them in those levels. But now at the age of which he's at, where he had a problem with uh, Johnny Eblen was the speed. speed. The movement, the speed, and the way that he mixed up his striking to wrestling, wrestling to striking. Johnny is masterful at not at threatening the takedown and not caring if he gets it or not. That's right. And he goes right back up to boxing and punching and doesn't get it. Okay, I don't want to spend too much energy hanging out down there on the legs. And that's what really, I think, threw Gegard off. Is that with Gegard, like, people try to shoot on him and get him down, and they spend so much energy, and he just defends. You see that lackluster look on his face like, eh, man, you're wasting your time. I got this. You know what I mean? And he's got one of the best jiu-jitsu games in the business. If you oh, look at his... his top, look, his top game oh. is scary. It's nasty. Yep. Ask Lovato Jr. Rafael yeah. Lovato Jr. found out in the third round what it was like to be on bottom with him. I mean, just nasty. Had that fight, had that round had another 10 seconds, they probably would have stopped the fight. That's right. I mean, it was a na- I mean, the first two rounds, he got just, he got mounted, he got out, he got taken down, he got controlled. Gegard did against Rafael uh, Lovato Jr. But in the third round, he never took any damage. But in the third round, he swept, got to the top. In the last probably minute of that third round, he put some work in, maybe the last minute and a half. He put some work in and just dominated from the top position. Some nasty ground and pound. I mean, do you remember his fight? Was it with Babalu where he threw the legs to the side? No, that was I think King Mo. No, that was King Mo. But uh, but he had he had some big time wins in strike force where he was really just nasty on top, vicious ground and pound. Yeah. But this like this is th- I like that fight you were talking about because you were talking about King Mo versus Babalu. No. Oh, who did he throw? Seth Petrozelli. Oh shit, that was Seth, huh? It was. I thought it was Babalu. Look at that. You see yeah. how you can say something yeah. and just, boom, we come right back at it. Wow. Wow. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that doesn't work for me, John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this fight, the reason why it interests me the most, you have the young buck kind of coming up. I, how old is Fabian? 30? I want to say he's 29. Yeah. I think he's young still. 30. Uh, he's 30. Nice. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's got 11, 11 wins, two losses. Like I said, relatively young in the sport where you he's got gay Two losses. He got out wrestled by Austin Vanderford, mm-hmm. and you know he didn't get you know much damage. We'll say in the fight, but you know he got he definitely got out wrestled. That was the difference in that, and he lost to Costello Von Steenis in that one, one where it was, you know, it was came down to a split decision because man, at the end of it, he was coming on. So he he is Costello Von Steenis, one of my favorite fighters. Oh God. John knows. John me, knows. I love me this guy. Too. I love, love this him. guy. He is just fun. I hope I'm looking to see him. He's gonna be it. on this card. Yep. Yep. He's got a big fight too. It's gonna be a big time. It's a big, big uh, fight for him. But you have. Um, I look at where Fabian's at right now. This is his time to really shine. And man, it trick. It's a trickle down effect in the gym. Yes. Champ. His brother is the champ. Yep. It automatically makes now. Like everyone says it makes uh, Fabian or it makes Leon Edwards ten percent better because he's the champ. Because confidence is up yep. there you believe it I, I believe it i believe that i yep. think it also makes the fighters in your gym feel that five percent or two percent like you're you're unstoppable well, they, can, they they can see yep that it can be done and they know someone that mm-hmm. did it and they can talk to that person that if he can do it i can do it 
Well, I also think that what they do is they, they, they train with each other. They compare each other with, sure. oh, he's getting away with this kid. It's working for him. It's got to work for me. And it just it just glows amongst the gym. It was almost like a chain effect in, in AKA. It was, you know, Kane first, and then it was uh, Luke. And then it was not. Was it Luke next? It was Kane. Well, yeah. Kane. Yeah, Daniel. DC, Luke, all within well, like D- a little D- bit. DC got the strike force. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. He got the title and strike. Well, so did Luke, though. Luke had the strike force. Yeah, title. Luke got the strike force. So, yeah, so they did. But I'm talking about when they got to the UFC, you know, it was like that chain. Like we we had, I'd had the strike force belt before. And then they won it after me. And then Bobby Southworth actually won it right before me. I think because he was the fight before me. That's why he won it before me. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and so, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm the first Strike Force champion in the gym. I was like, yeah, screw you. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, yeah, so it was kind of cool. But it was, um, yeah, I just, you, it was like a trickle down effect. Guys just believe. They believe in it. I think Fabian is gonna, is, has been believing since his, bro- his brother won the title. I believe it's gonna work for him. I think in this cage, Gegard's got his hands. Gegard's got his hands full. But the reason where I think that this fight's gonna end up is I think Gegard's gonna really take him down. Oh, yeah. In the exchanges, he's gonna look to get the takedown. And on top, there's just we talk about levels to the game all the time. Gegard is leaps and bounds level above levels above uh, Fabio Edwards. Not yeah. one level, not two. I'm talking four or five different levels above. But yeah. the athleticism, the takedown defense that Fabian has. Is pretty damn good. I know it didn't seem like that against uh, Austin, but Austin had to work a couple times for those. And remember, Austin got cut up pretty bad from the bottom as oh, well. Yeah. But I mean, he 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 was uh, he was shooting from four feet away. That's not going to be Gegard. Gegard is going to basically punch into the clinch, drop down on the legs, scoop you, take you down. So Fabian's got a good chance of just stuffing the takedowns. But if he gets put on bottom, Gegard's a whole different animal, man. The ground and pound, the pass, the way he passes guard, the, how heavy he is with the hips. Yep. He's nasty on top. So that's going to be a fun fight, you guys. So that'll be this uh, Friday. We're going to be in Paris for that. So John and I will be coming back late on Sunday. We probably won't drop the show until Monday because it's Mother's Day also on Sunday. So I uh, just want to let everyone know and be prepared. We probably won't drop it until Monday. Uh, film it on Monday morning maybe and then probably drop it sometime in the afternoon on Monday. But just giving you guys a heads up. Uh, a lot of things coming up these next couple weeks. So um, just be prepared for some adjustments. That's why you guys got to hit that bell and hit the subscribe button and a little thumbs up. If you hit the bell, you'll know when the show drops. So you're not waiting around and texting me and tweeting me all day. Hey, man, when's the show going to drop? Hit me up in my DMs. I had like 30 DMs yesterday. Hey, when are you guys dropping the show? I'm like, hey, guys, we're trying, man. We're trying. John's in Chattahoochee. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Chattahoochee. Yeah, whatever. John okay, there you go. Chattahoochee. I like uh, it. All right, next fight. Well, we got the uh, well, the third actual fight in the new lightweight world Grand Prix. Oh, that is man. between Brent Primus and Mansoor Barnawi. That is going to be. I cannot wait for this one because you know we were just talking in in the last podcast. We were talking about you know grappling and the ground game and. You know, the differences of things. You're talking about two guys here that are elite on the ground. Mm-hmm. They match up really well. It's going to be a, a neat. I'm not sure which way it's going to go. Brent Prim is super strong. Barna Wee's got a really long. You, you talk about your tall, long, and lanky yeah. frame. Barna Wee has faced great competition throughout his career. He's come away with a ton of wins. Some. You know, close fights like to uh, Islam Makhachev, mm-hmm. he lost, but he really didn't lose. <laughs> and so the dude is good. He is one of those guys that you say, 
an unknown fighter that can fight with anybody. Yeah, he's got what four losses. One of them's to uh, what Gamrot. Yep, one's to Gamrot. Mateus Gamrot. One's to Islam Makachev. Makachev. And one is to another really good fighter. I can't remember the kid's name. Uh, oh, dude, I'm trying to think. Uh, Kevin uh, Lee. No, uh, Ivan Bushinger. Is, yeah, is Ivan Bushinger is a good one. So, uh, but Kevin Lee also. Uh, oh, Kevin Lee was the other one. Yeah, yeah, so you got Kevin Lee, Islam Makachev, and Gamrot. Those are his three losses, and then uh, Ivan uh, Butchinger. But I mean, like, look, he's got and this, and look, he took three years away. Yeah, three, a little over three years away from the sport. Comes back, gets a submission win over Adam Piccolotti of all people, who's got a fantastic grappling game. I've trained with Adam since he was fourteen, fifteen years old. Uh, the kid's just nasty good on the ground. He's, you know, he's had his ups and downs with injuries as of lately. So sure. uh, good for him to get back on track with a win over um, Rat Garbage <laughs> when he had his last fight in Pachanga. Um, good stuff. But uh, this this is going to be a good fight. I'm looking to see. What I think what's going to happen, though, John, is I wonder if the two of them are going to get after on the ground or if the two of them are going to end up trying to stand. I, I really look at it, you know, I think both believe. On the ground, they're superior. Both believe it. I think Mansoor believes that he's superior to Brent. I believe Brent believes he's superior to Mansoor. And I think eventually both of them are going to try to take it to the ground, but they're both going to want to be in the top position. Mm -hmm. Neither one's going to want to be underneath. And if Primus is underneath, he's dangerous with a lot of his attacks, but he cannot do the things that he's done in the past as far as going after the same submission Time after time. If you don't hit that submission the first time, guess what? You ain't going to hit it the second. So yeah. start switching it up or getting back to your feet or looking for the reversal. You can't stay with going after that same submission time and time again. I was really surprised that they put Barnaby in this uh, World Grand Prix, but then after his great performance oh, no. against Adam Piccolotti, it didn't shock me after that. No. When I, when I was, you know, I, I had watched him fight one time long before and it was at road fc because mm -hmm. he would won the uh they had a tournament there mm -hmm. million dollar tournament and he won that one that's probably, why, took, that's probably why he took three years off <laughs> that was why he took three years off and i watched him and so i was i was like man that guy can fight mm. you know and you know it's when you watch someone you go that guy can't fight that guy's mm -hmm. not good dude this guy's good and you you're also going off of the competition that he's going against and stuff then i started going back and watching his past fights and I was like, and I watched all the ones that he lost, you know, and man, I'll tell you what, I was like, holy shit, where, you know, I saw this guy in road and, and thought nothing of him. He was from France and, you know, we've had a couple of guys from France that have been, you know, good fighters, we'll say, you know, mm -hmm. Czech Congo has had a great career. If you, you really want to, you know, talk about it, there's a couple, this is the best goddamn guy I've ever seen from France. Mm -hmm. He's that good. Interesting. Like when it, let's just say that neither one of them are willing to like take it to the ground and test it, or they get down there one time they're like, "Ooh, I got a little trouble." Let's stay away. Then from I will that. tell you in the in the clinch game, there's a huge difference. In the you know, premise, likes to be in the stand up at times when he's feeling comfortable and he's not getting tagged a lot. Mansoor Barnawi in the clinch does amazing damage. Mm. He throws beautiful elbows. He throws beautiful knees. He ties people up and, and controls their body position. He frustrates them. He hangs on them because he's really long. His inside clinch game is nasty. And it's a, it's a place that I don't think Brent Primus wants to be in this fight. Once he gets there, 
it's going to be the same thing as going back long ago. Rich Franklin was the champion in the middleweight division in the UFC. Mm-hmm. And when he was going to fight Anderson Silva the first time, his entire game plan was to get into the clinch with Anderson Silva. I want to be in the clinch. I think I'm the bigger, stronger, and better fighter in there. And he found out very quickly that was a huge Oof. fucking mistake. Yeah. And that's, you know, sometimes when you think you're going to do well somewhere, you'll find out quickly. Yeah, that was a that was a great plan. That was a shitty plan. It's so funny. Uh, have I told this? Have I told you this story before? Because it just brings back flashbacks. I tell the story I told it the other day because I was out of BJ Penn's new gym opening out there in Hilo. And the very first time I ever trained with BJ Penn, like I I had heard all these stories about him training with the fighters, Frank Shamrock, Jay Velasquez, Kelly Delante, you know, Ryan Bow, and how he was just fucking working them over, tapping them. He was actually out striking them. I was like, dude, there's no way. Cause I used to, I used to tap all those guys too, but they were like, no, no, this guy's like dominating. I'm like, I would catch him in scrambles and I, I'd have to work for it. These he's like, no, he just takes them down. He mounts them and just passes their guard and just to- the chokes them. I'm like, come on, you guys. Like, you guys, he's not that good. Fucking, <laughs> they brought him in one night to train with me. Fuck, De- John, they fucked me, fucked me up. I like, in probably five, ten minutes. He chopped me about five or six times. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. He was, I honestly, I give this guy a lot of credit because it would have been, I probably would still been just training at night. I was only a night. I was only training at night and taking fights. I got signed to the UFC. I got signed to the UFC, and I was fucking. Uh, sorry, I got signed. Um, what was it? Ultimate Athlete signed me. Uh, King of the Cage had signed me. I never fought for either one of them because I went to the UFC. But they, they, the reason why I basically was taking these fights was because BJ got me. I be, after that performance of training against him, I quit my day job, and I started training full time. I was like, man, if there's guys like this out there. He taught you a lesson. Fuck yeah, he did. I was like, man, there's sure. just no way, man. There's no way. You know what's crazy is I didn't realize this until the other day when I had saw him. I said, him and I, we trained together. Then he left AK um, after he lost to Jens. And he went off and did his thing. And I was always a huge fan. Him, and him and I were main training partners uh, before he left. And then he went off and he fought in Gomi. And he was training back at home in, in Hilo and stuff or in Hawaii. And... um I went out for all of his fights, you know. Uh, I didn't go to the Henzo one. I couldn't make it. Um, but, yeah. But then he came back to the UFC. And when he came back to the UFC, like, I, we ended up fighting on the same card for the UFC 46 when he won his first title. And I just I was thinking, I'm like, man, actually, your very first title you ever won was against Matt Hughes. And I was on that card, on the undercard against Hermes Franca. It just kind of brought back a little bit, like, some memories and stuff. But, man, he, he's the reason why I quit my day job. I was like, man, I, I can't. There's just no way I'm going to fight at the highest level. And fucking, if I'm training part-time, I was only training at night. I'd work at 6 in the morning. I'd work until 3 o'clock. And then I'd go eat, go over my grandmother's because I couldn't afford food. And then I'd go, and then I'd go, uh, I'd go to the gym at like 5.30 and just take every class until, you know, and, and hit mitts and train with the kickboxing team. And I'd be there until 9.30 at night, every day, yeah. five days a week. And then sometimes on Saturday during the morning. Yeah, it was just, yeah. But I owe a lot, man. I just started thinking about that. I mean, that's that's a big reason why my career changed because I started. Yeah, like, and, and this is what, Steve Harvey, who he's a very intelligent man. I love I love some of the things he says. He's got this thing about sometimes you got to jump, mm. just jump, because it's scary. You're it standing is. on that cliff, and you know, if you know, I could fall. Yeah, you could, but you got to jump. You could also you fly. Don't, you could also you fly. Go. 
that's it. That's the whole point. If you don't jump, you'll never know if you can fly. Yeah. I mean, I got to go fighting. And then obviously this, I didn't realize this till later on because I was just doing it for fun. But fighting is not something you do half ass. No, you got to do it. We just say it all the time, man. If you're not a hundred percent in stop. Yeah. This ain't the sport. It ain't worth it. This ain't the sport. Yeah. And I was never, you can, you can do it. You can do it at a, at a low level. Mm -hmm. That's okay. If it's something that, you know, Hey, I do it just for the fun. And I, I go to my little grassroots show, you know, once a year and fight. Okay, go ahead. But if no. you want to be good at this and you want to compete with the very best, no. Yeah, that was never me. <laughs> I just wanted to, I just wanted to train all the time. And I was a gym rat. I loved it. I loved running. I love the, I love doing plyo work. I love doing sports and agility stuff. I loved it, man. I loved the training aspect of it all. And I liked, I liked the locker room talk. That's why I've developed yeah, well, such. I've been, I've been so great at busting balls, man. I fucking love it. You're the worst. <laughs> what are you talking it. about? The fame, great. <laughs> can you can you imagine though, like how Chattahoochee? How, yeah, Chattahoochee. Can you imagine how <laughs> fucking boring Bellator shows would be without me? Jesus, you guys were. Fucking, it's like fucking watching paint dry. Well, hold on. Jeez. Let's just be honest. A bunch of old dinosaurs work for fucking Bellator. <laughs> <laughs> They're all gonna be listening wow. to this show. They're all uh, all the way from yeah. our executive, all the way from the uh, executives, all the way down. They're, you just made a whole lot of friends. I know. I love, dude. We have <laughs> such a fucking great crew of fucking everybody. Yeah, everybody on the crew is awesome, man. They're fantastic yeah. to work with, hey, and um, they're always busting just, my balls. Let's just be honest. Do we have fun? We have a blast. We that's have a blast. It. That's all that, that's and, what you know, matters. That's what life's about. The reason why I, I, I'm okay with saying this is because I got a bigger platform than them, so I can say it, and like everyone's just going to laugh about it. See, them, they're going <laughs> to be like, you fucking did this. You said this about us. I love these guys, though. They're so fun, man. They bust my balls. We have a good time, but uh, we always have a blast. The, the Paris trip last year was so much fun. We traveled all around. We did the, You and I did the line bike thing. They were a little lazy. They kind of did the Ubers and shit. And, you know, but we, the thing that scared me, man, the thing that really yeah. scared me was that one time that the line bike didn't work and I couldn't get the other line bikes to work with my phone yeah. or with the app thing. And then the one that I got, the battery was dead. You took off and my phone was dying. So, with, <laughs> so without your phone, you can't use the line bike. And if your phone's dead, the bike doesn't work. And I'm like, Fuck, and the battery was about to. I didn't know where you were going, and I had no idea where I was in Paris. Well, no, the the no first idea. time is the first time we screwed it up is you jumped on a scooter, yes, and I jumped on the bike, yeah, and you went one direction, I went the other because we were going to, towards the Eiffel Tower, and it was night, and it was like. Where, where, where the hell is he? That's that night, John. That <laughs> oh, was the yeah. night my battery oh, was dying. Oh yeah, I know, and. Yeah, and <laughs> He's Josh is actually walking around. No, excuse me. He's running. Yes. around the base of the Eiffel Tower with his phone, trying to call me. And I'm saying, dude, here's where I am. Yeah. And I'm right at the. I'm mean, saying, look it. And I, I point at my, got it down at my line bike, and I point up, and I'm going right up. I'm at the base of the damn Eiffel Tower. Yeah. And he's like, you're not here. Do you realize <laughs> how big the base is? Do you realize yeah, how big. big the base of that it's thing big. is? Here's yes, the worst part about that whole trip, John, or not a trip, but that whole night is my phone was dying. The scooter didn't work. And if the phone died, I couldn't get another line bike or scooter to work. But then on top of it, you left and I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to call you if my battery died. But then in the middle of all this, I'm trying to run to try to run towards the Eiffel Tower because I see the circular light going because it's at night. So I know that's yep. the Eiffel Tower. 
But in the middle of all that, I had to take a shit. <laughs> there was, in the middle of all of it, I had to take a shit. And I'm like, where's a restaurant? We're in the That's we're, a serious we're problem. We're in the housing area. There's no restaurants. Oh, yeah. There's no businesses. That's a serious problem. I'm like, fuck, where do I go to the bathroom? <laughs> well, this oh, you gotta we gotta preface this. We need to say the whole reason this started. Is because our asinine producer, like I said, John Norty Norton, yes, told us, "Oh, dude, we can walk to the Eiffel Tower. It's only like twenty minutes. <laughs> it's twenty minutes away." That son of a bitch was an hour and a half away. Easily, walking. easily an hour and a half. We were going. We're walking down river things and across oh. bridges everywhere. And I go, "You son of a bitch!" Yeah. He goes, "I knew you wouldn't go if I told you how far it was." What an asshole. But you know what, though? I was kind of kind of uh, glad we did walk it because remember we walked down by the river? And it was, it was so great. nice, man. You just, yeah. all the different areas to get drinks. You know, we had a couple uh, glasses of wine, had a beer, and then people were playing bocce ball, horseshoes. You know, they, we even remember we saw the big cage. And the big oh, yeah. cage had people sparring in it. They were like yep. working and sparring in it and stuff like that. It was pretty cool, man. You know, really they spent cool. a lot of time outside. It was cool. Like the people brought blankets down to watch the sunset. Dude, right people me. are sitting there with their wine and yeah. cheese right on the bank of the river, awesome. sitting on the. Yeah, it was. You go, wow, this this really is Paris. Yes, it was. It was the first good. time. The first time I ever went, I was like, man, I'm never coming back to this place. But this <laughs> that last time we went, and we had a blast, man. We had a really good time. We did. All right, look, I know we talked enough. Brent Primus, yeah, Barnaby, go. great fight. Yep. Good should be two ferrets grappling on the ground. See who's going to be the better grappler. But on the feet, like you're saying, Barnaby's probably better in the clinch. And Brent Primus, let's not forget, has some nasty, vicious leg kicks. He's got good power in his hands, a little slow, though. Like he, yes. He's got so much muscle, he doesn't have the speed. But when yep. he lands, he lands with some power, and he's got the vicious leg kicks. I mean, look what he did to Michael Chandler's leg, and he's done that to several other people. He's got heavy, heavy leg kicks. But the fight that I'm really interested in, not just because I'm a big fan of Costello Van Stinas, and I want to see yes, him rise is. to the top, but Douglas Lima finally st- realizing that maybe 185 is for him. We'll see. But I think because of the, he did have some success against Gegard. Remember the leg kicks? Gegard had to get carried out of oh, the cage yeah. that night. Oh, no. He had a lot of success after he got past that first round. Yeah. Second round, got a little more confident. Third round, a little bit more confident. Mm-hmm. By the end, he, he was turning it on, and you go, why did you not fight like this from the beginning? And he's going against Gegard's teammate in Van Stinas. Van Stinas is very aggressive, though. Mm-hmm. Completely different fighter than... Someone like Gegard. Yeah. Ben Stinas has got, he's got a, one of those mean streaks, which I love. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very much like a Carlos Condit, you know, is the way I look at Costello Van Stinas. And he's got a lot of skill. The real question is, does Douglas Lima, because Van Stinas uses a very wide stance and he leaves that leg out there a lot, how successful is Douglas Lima at taking and lighting that leg up and how much effect will it have? on Van Stinas in the fight. But this is a great matchup, and it's a, I think it's a great move for Douglas Lima. I, th- I thought he was losing way too much weight. You could see him. You know, he, we would do fighter interviews, and he would come in, and you're looking at him, and you're going, you're half dead, dude. Yeah. You know, this is not good. You know, and uh, I think this 15 pounds is going to be huge mm-hmm. for him in this fight. He hasn't won a fight since he since he beat Rory McDonald. No. For the, for the welterweight World Grand Prix and the million dollars. Nope. Nope. I think a little bit of that is enjoying the million dollars and plus what he made in the fight. I you mean, reached you reached that point. I, yeah. I became champion again. I won the tournament. Yep. 
And it's like, and, oh, it's okay. And that, that was the problem I saw with him against Gegard was you could tell it was, it's all right. You know, if I, if I beat him, I'm the middleweight champion. I'm the double champ. Mm-hmm. If I don't, it's okay. I'm still the welterweight yeah. champ. And you look at you, you can't have that. No, you can't have that mindset. But I'm looking forward to that fight. Look, if you guys haven't seen Costello Vancina's fight, he's just fireworks. What I love is there's never a rest period. He's a grinder. He's someone that just comes at you forward. He throws everything in the kitchen sink at you. There's never a moment where he just like tries to lay on you and hold you. He's trying to do yep. work. He's trying, yep. like you said, he's got a mean streak in him. Yep. And so I'm looking for, I always enjoy watching him fight. It's one of my favorite fighters to watch. Uh, how do you say this guy's last? Theobald Gulti. Theobald Gulti. Gulti versus Kane Musa. Yeah. Kane Musa is a you know, very aggressive fighter. Good stand-up. Theobald, very good in the stand-up mm-hmm. also. They match up very well. This, this is a really good matchup. Being that uh, Theobald Gulti is actually, you know, a little bit more of a kickboxer than mm-hmm. Kane Musa. Kane Kane will kick every now and then, but pretty boxing centric in his stand up. He's I believe he's got a lot of power in his mm-hmm. hands, and he likes to use that. You know, he'll get after the grappling too. But Kane Musa has got power in his hands, but he needs to be careful of the kicks of Gertie. Yeah, Musa he tends to pace himself, which he needs to get out yeah. of that. He needs yeah, to find a way to get in there. We've talked to him about those yeah, things. He needs to get in there and get after because he's got the power yeah. in his hands. Utilize, and he's also in good shape. He doesn't he, get he's tired. In, he's in phenomenal shape. It's almost like you feel like you're holding something back. But what yeah. are you holding back? You know, it's only 15 Fear. minutes. Get after yeah. it. That's what's the weirdest thing Worst to me, Worst thing right? ever, being tired. Yeah, it is. But the thing is, John, is that you didn't train eight weeks, 10 weeks, six weeks, whatever it was. To fucking not leave it all out there, man. Leave it out there. Like, you didn't put all that work in for nothing. I didn't run all those fucking miles, you know, to fucking conserve energy and walk out of the cage going, man, I still had something left. No. Uh Uh-uh. That that was never never a recipe for success when you're you're fighting. So, uh, one of my favorite girl, female fighters. I shouldn't say girl. (laughs) Female fighters, from what I hear, ladies, uh, to watch fight Denise Kilholtz. She, when you talk about mean streak, Miss Dynamite. She's a mean, she's got a mean streak in her. Oh, she does. She's, she's the nicest person. She's so sweet, but she's fuck. such a sweetheart. She's you know gorgeous, mm-hmm. has a great personality. And she does that when she gets into a cage. She's a mm-hmm. mean little some bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that about her. Uh, all right, next fight. This, this should be a good fight. Saul Rogers yeah, versus David Saul Rogers against David Gallon. That's a very good fight. Saul's. We're going to see, you know, he's up at lightweight now. That's a better weight class. He was trying to do that featherweight. He was killing him to, to make that not smart. But David Gallon got a great judo. Stand-up is good. Hits everything there is. He even hit the rolling thunder kick mm-hmm. on uh, Ross, Pearson. Ross Pearson and knocked him out. So he's got a, a full plethora of attacks to go after someone. So it's, he's a fun fighter to watch. Good fight. I want to see just Saul just realize that there's nothing more important than being in shape and believing in your in the confidence in your cardio. He yeah. needs to make sure that his, his conditioning and his cardio is on point. He's another fighter that tends to conserve energy because he's afraid to get tired because early in his career, all he did was get tired. So, yeah. he, but that was a lot because he was cutting so much weight. So now that he's not cutting as much weight and being at 155, we'll see. He's got the... He's got, Everything it'll take to beat Davy Gillen because Davy's mainly known for his judo, sure, but his grappling is okay. It's not great. It's not enough. His grappling and his judo aren't enough to stop Saul Rogers, I think, takedowns. No. He's have a hard time. Especially early in the fight. But Davy has proven in the third round he'll still be there. 
But will Saul Rogers be there? Because his conditioning, and he tends to slow down a lot in the third round. So this fight will get interesting about halfway through the second round is when you'll see yeah. David Gallon really probably try to step on the gas. Yep. Next fight. Ah, uh, we got Jose Azevedo Augusto Barros. Jeez, just, all these different names. Just Gugu. That's his name. Yeah, Gugu. Gugu. Going against Simon Biong. That's fight. actually a really look at Gugu has had three fights in Bellator. Two of them are losses. Rumble Johnson, he almost had out. You know, and he ended up getting knocked out. And then he had a fight with Alex Polizzi that was unbelievable back and forth. They had each other in trouble throughout it. It's one of the best damn fights you could watch. And he ended up losing that one. But he's had some just phenomenal fights. He's fun to watch. And Simon Biong, mm -hmm. you know, he's come in there. He lost his first, you know, match in Beltor. And then he's come back with two quick wins. He's looking good. Super athletic. Very strong. We're going to see what happens. Yeah, it should be good. I think uh, two of them want to keep this on the feet and keep it standing, so it should be a good fight. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Stewart versus uh, Gregory Baben. Baben? Look, Baben is a lot better than people realize. This is a dude who is, uh, his submission game is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. He is tricky. He came in. <coughs> I think he's 4-0 in Bellator, but it's in different time periods. Mm. You know, he was, he was in early Bellator and stuff like that. The guy can fight. You know, and he, he's, a, he's a good fighter. Kyle Stewart, good fighter also, but he's going to have to be very careful with his submissions. You know, one of my all-time favorites uh, in the, in Bellator is Yves Landu. He's just fun. Yeah, dude, we just parkour. He's just fun. <laughs> the, dude, the dude is a break-dancing parkour fool. He's an athlete. Uh, and I really believe at featherweight because he was always fighting at, at lightweight, lightweight and he was small. Tiny. Very small. This is a great weight class for him. The guy he's taking on in the motto is good fighter. But he matches up well with them. It should be an exciting fight. Yeah, Eves is someone that leaves it all out there. He'll do crazy wild stuff. He's down to just get after it. And you got to oh, love yeah. those kind of fighters. Yep. Uh, the other guy who's real good on the ground is Oliver Ankamp versus, uh, how do you say his name? Poli Luca Poklet. But if you remember, Luca is the guy that pulled off what we call the Lucanator. He pulled it off on Dante Skiro. It is a sensational choke that I had never seen before. Hmm. And unbelievable his uh, his ability to get to that now against Oliver and Camp. Not just saying he's going to get there, but both guys have really good submission games. That's yeah. an interesting matchup. But you remember Oliver's, uh, was it his last fight or the fight before that where he hit... Uh... A variation of the buggy choke. Yeah, it was, but he hit it differently. He had it actually basically yeah. was an inverted inverted triangle, but then he reached Close. around and pulled on the other over. on the other leg yeah. and used his arm to choke from the other side. Very, very yeah. tactical, very, very crafty. Because he has yep. the length and the reach to do that. Tall, long, and lanky body style for that submission game. Yep. Tim Wild uh trying to get back on track against Christopher Gonzalez. This kind of yeah. a weird fight for me because Christopher Gonzalez is so damn good. And Tim, Tim Wild's good. He is, Tim Wilde can fight. He just fought. Tim Wilde can fight. I know. He that can dude, and he's gotten better and better and better. He's now training with uh, Leon Edwards mm. and Fabian Edwards. And, man, his stand-up has gotten damn good. Chris Gonzalez is obviously the better wrestler. He mm. needs to get the fight to the ground. Did Tim fight in Hawaii? No. We click on Tim Wilde. Yeah, go ahead. And, I think uh, he did. No, no, uh, Leary, <laughs> Charlie Leary. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, man, they're, they both Leary, have bald heads. He fought Yancey. Yeah, 
That's right. Yeah. I was like, wait, didn't he fight in Hawaii? I was like, how did they put him? How did they get him back so fast? Got yeah. it. Okay, okay. Uh, that's going to wrap up our Bellator talk. And uh, that comes on Friday. Um, it'll be on Showtime, I believe, right? Yes, sir. Yep, yep. So that'll be on Showtime. And hey, make sure after you guys watch that fight, you guys subscribe to us on our OnlyFans, OnlyFans.com slash Wayne. And it is free. Submit your fan questions over there, Dave. We'll be putting up fan questions, uh, logos, or whatever it is. And uh, you guys can put your fan questions down below. We're only answering questions from the OnlyFans channel. So OnlyFans.com slash Wayne in. Head on over there. Subscribe to us. It is free. Thanks for uh, helping us and following us. And we want to continue on. Let's talk about the UFC. <clears throat> Big fight between Jarzinho Rosenstruck against a guy who is really coming on. Jelton Almeida. You talk about the hybrid fighter. This Jeez. dude is, you know, doesn't weigh in at the heavyweight limit. This dude is put together. No fat on him. Strong. Very good on the ground. Uh, will be in the stand-up as long as it takes for him to get it to the ground. And so I look at this, you know, we've seen Rosenstruck in positions where he's waiting, waiting, waiting because he's worried about being taken down and doesn't throw his hands. He cannot do that against Almeida. He needs to throw his hands, make it to where Almeida is hesitant in coming into him to try to get the takedown. This is striker versus grappler. Yeah. This can be a great fight, man. Outside of Jarzinho really just catching him on the way in, I don't see how Jarzinho wins this fight, especially if this fight hits the ground. So, yeah. I mean, Almeida's got to be very cautious. He's got to set it up with his striking uh, to get in, get it on the leg. I really feel when you fight guys like Jarzinho or Derek Lewis or guys that have that big power, yeah. um, Francis Ngato, you got to fight him how Cain Velasquez fought Junior Dos Santos. You got to just chase him around on your hands and knees to pick the ankle and fuck. Especially when they're still fresh and they got all the power. After you clinch with them a little bit, after you wear yep, on them a little get bit, their arms a little heavy. The speed goes away. The power's still there, but the the way they deliver it is a little labored. You can see it coming a little bit more. They don't, you know, they load up when they want to go, so you can see it coming. And then I think after that, Almeida should just probably run away with it. I see Almeida really making a, a name for himself on this fight, unless he gets clipped yeah. on the way in. That's the only the way I see him losing. How old I is agree. Almeida, think, though, by the way? Can you click on him? This is a big fight for Jilton Almeida. Yeah. This is the 31. one that's going to put him there. 31 years old. Look at him, man. He looks fucking built like a Greek god. Duh, he is, man. Fucking Two, you know, Look at that. 232. He'll probably be 235. Jealous. For this fight. You know, but, man, fast. Mm-hmm. Good, very solid ground game. Yeah. You know, I just love the way he positions himself, takes his time, and then works to positions and does damage. He's good. Next fight. Anthony Smith taking on Johnny Walker. This is, a, this is an unusual matchup. This is one that's... Johnny Walker has basically redefined himself, has, has gone to... You know, SBG and gotten with John Kavanaugh and has really changed his way of fighting. Johnny Johnny came into the UFC and became very exciting, did all kinds of crazy stuff, was getting big wins, was hurting himself in celebrations, <laughs> you know, all those kind of uh, things. But he he forgot that, hey, winning solves everything. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you start losing big time and you're getting knocked out, you're damaging you know, what is your, I guess got something right there. You're damaging, you know, what is your money maker, your brain. And it doesn't matter that, you know, they're going to use you for as long as they'll use you and then they'll get rid of you. You've got to fight smart. Yeah. 
you got to make the other person fight your fight. We're going to see exactly where he's at because for the last couple of fights, he has done exactly that, and he's walked away with the wins. Yeah, I agree, but Anthony Smith is, I think, better than the guys that he's fought recently. And Anthony... Uh, yeah, I'm going to... I'm gonna. I love Anthony, and I've known Anthony for a long time, and I think he's a fantastic fighter. He's got a lot of mileage. Yeah, Anthony, he does. 36-17, okay? Man. You're talking about, that's a lot of fights. Mm -hmm. you know, you're talking over 50 fights, and when you get into that over 50 fights, it's not that you can't fight. Mm -hmm. It's that you do start to slow down in, in areas, and it's the one difference that I really see. Johnny Walker... For a big, tall, lanky guy, he's got speed still. Now, Anthony, I think overall, is the more complete fighter. But first round is very important here in this fight. This is true. I guess I should have probably restructured the way I said that. I think that in the first, obviously, Johnny Walker in the first probably three minutes is just going to be wild. He's going to try to really get him out of there. Well, Johnny fights smart enough to conserve the energy where he doesn't leave himself open and gassed out by the yeah. end because Anthony will still be there probably by the middle of the second. But then Anthony tends to slow down also. Yeah, a little bit. You know, so um, we may end up seeing these two in the end of the second kind of going, man, what do we do? Now we got to figure <laughs> this out. So it's kind of whoever has the most gas and they get the end of the second round going into the third if it gets that yeah. far. And but that's I mean, what I I look at Anthony needs to just be smart yep. in the first round. Don't try to win it. Make him work. I think and, if Anthony's and, on top, he'll have success though too. If he threatens yeah, to take down, absolutely. If he's on top, top, he will. Yeah. But on the bottom, he won't. No. This next fight though, D Rod and uh, Ian Gary, good fight. Very good fight. Ian Gary's come out and looked fantastic. You know, it's he's dude. The kid's a sniper. He's sharp. He's got great fundamentals. You look at his technique and the way he goes about in his stand-up. And his ground is not bad either. You know, he doesn't end up there all that much. But against Daniel Rodriguez, you're looking and saying, this is going to be a stand-up fight. And this is going to be... Ian Gary is a more technical stand-up fighter. Daniel Rodriguez is more of a... Uh, he's a good technician. I'm not going to say anything, but still more street, more brawl. We'll get into the brawl. We'll stand and bite down. At, while Ian Gary shouldn't do that. Yeah. I'm not saying he won't, but he shouldn't do that with Daniel Rodriguez. Yeah, but the ways you, the way you beat guys that are technicians like that is you, guys like D-Rod. Make them into the brawl. Because exactly. you bring them Force into the them brawl. Into They're not used to that yeah. type. They're expecting a, a real traditional style like Muay Thai, kickboxing, let's stand, let's go. And in his last fight, he got clipped and got rocked real bad, yep. Ian Gary did. Yep. And uh, he was able to weather the storm, come back and get the win, but... D Rod is a, D -Rod, not only is D Rod a finisher, but D Rod's going to be there. He's he doesn't slow down. He doesn't get tired. I mean, he's that dog. I mean, I look at him and I'm like, this is this is a dangerous fight for Ian Gary. I'm like, oh, he's you know, Ian Gary's got he's got, probably got more power. He's got the bigger body frame. He's probably longer, taller, longer, lankier. He's a more he of a is. technician. All of those things, yes. But, but as soon as Daniel Rodriguez brings him into his world, yeah. if he allows that to happen, he'll lose. Yeah, because punches come from different angles when you're fighting dogs, man. Like you're, it's it's doesn't they don't always come from the traditional just stand up one two down the pipe. Nah, -uh. yep. there's the dirty elbows up the top, over the top. There's uppercuts, the griminess of the clinching the head and elbowing and knee and like it's just it's a different style of fight. 
And uh, Ian's going to have to be prepared for that because D-Rod's yeah. going to bring that shit. So this this is a good test for uh, Ian Gary, especially after oh, watching his test. last fight where he got clipped. So this is going to be good to see where he can where he stands in terms of uh, his technique and his ability yep. to dig deep because you're going to have to dig deep in this fight, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Next the fight ne- is a very ne- good fight. Oh, you, you talk about the dog fight. Mm-hmm. This is two guys that are dogs. Tim Means, been there forever, the dirty bird, very... Very good with his elbows, good with his knees, good in the inside fight, good on the ground. He's just a good, tough fighter, but he is coming towards the end of his mm-hmm. career. He's getting older. Alex Morano, man, we, we've seen he's got a fantastic ground game, but he's also got good stand-up, man. And Alex is the guy, he doesn't look like a fighter. You yeah. know, as far as no, you know, he doesn't have he doesn't have the you know the the chiseled look and everything like that. But I'll tell you what, the son of a bitch can fight. And is tough as nails, and so this is this is the fight that I was looking at. This fight and the next one are the two that I go. This is what the purest are, yes. are looking for. Very true. I look at Tim's means, right? Like you said, he's got miles on him, and Alex Morano. For some reason, when I look at him, I'm like, this dude can't fucking fight. Yes, he can. <laughs> this guy can't fight. And then I see him fight. I'm like, damn, God, this damn, guy's he's good. He's good. Yeah. He's good. He. what i this is this is what i want people to when they watch him fight there's no wasted energy he's it's very rare you find a fighter that fights on his toes like that and they seem like they expend energy and they start to slow down or like they get knocked they get taken down pretty easily this kid doesn't get taken down very easily and he can he's a dog on the feet man big heavy kicks got the striking he'll take a shot deliver a shot he's got a beard on him like I, this is an uphill battle, I think, for Tim Means, you know, and Alex Morano. Yeah. He's he's a good fighter. He's a really good fighter. He may not look it, like you said. He may not look the part. Nope. But don't let that shit fool you, man, because he can fight. This kid can fight. Absolutely, he's good. And the next fight, like you said, like you said purist. This is this is exactly <laughs> these, what I would be thinking these of these two. two guys. Exactly, Matt Brown taking on Court McGee. Jeez. You know, both guys coming from the Ultimate Fighter show. Matt Brown has had just a, a remarkable career. Have they fought before? No, I don't believe so. Are you sure? They, I would have imagined. A, you would have thought these guys. Dave, take a look at that because right? I, I don't think they have. Well, you got to figure. Court for a while was fighting up at hmm. middleweight. Then he came down to welterweight. Ah, uh, maybe that's why middleweight down yeah. to welterweight. Maybe that's why. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. No, yep. I didn't think no. he did. Wow, you would have thought these guys would have fought a while back. But this is gonna be a fun fight. <laughs> Both of them. I'm not going to even pick. It's it's funny. You you go into the backgrounds and the stories of both, and both came from being addicts. Yeah. Both of them. And both of them have made, you know, fantastic careers out of MMA. They've both been very successful. They both have really changed their lives. They're both such positive influences on the sport and on people around them. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I I love both guys. I don't want to see either one lose, but this is – this is a fight where you look and you go, yep, these are just two old, badass dudes that are going to get after it. So, you know, may the best man win. Every, uh, when I say this, don't take this the wrong way for every person listening to this. Every top level athlete in the world, they have an addiction problem. If they weren't addicted, no if you you wouldn't be one of the best at what you do if you weren't right. addi- if you didn't have an you're addiction addicted problem. to fighting, you're addicted to this. You're addicted whether yeah. it's the adrenaline of going out there. You're addicted to it. fighting. You're addicted to the training. For me, it was the 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 training 
the guys inside the gym, the coach, me and my coach one on one and the the mitt works. It was it's an addiction. It's that's why it's hard. When I got done, I said this my new life's gonna cost me my old one. I say that all the time because I had to get out of the gym. As soon as I said I was gonna retire, in my mind I knew I was gonna retire. I stopped going to AK. I don't even go there now. Like I'll go randomly here and there to swing by to watch the guys train. It's like, oh, you come to train? I'm like, nope. Nope. Just I, didn't I just came to come by and say hi and just, you know, I'm not, I'm not on, I'm not on your guys' level anymore. It's not, it's, there's no point. There's no point to be in here. Like why? So I could train with the 125 pounders and fucking. So I could get beat up? Yeah. I'm, I have no interest in this, man. I can train with my students in my own gym and like have fun. Be and the bully. Well. I can be the bully. I don't need to be the, 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 the nail. You guys with the hammer. I'm not trying to be anyone's nail, man. I retired because I was getting, I didn't want to be the nail. So it's, it. this is the thing, man. Like these guys coming off the addiction, they found a new addiction and I'm happy for them. This is, this is like a, a full on success story for both of them. They've, they've yep. had a great career. They're going to continue to have a little bit more of a career. They are getting older in age, but man, yeah, they've had, the two of them have delivered some of the best fights in the sport. Oh my God. I can't say enough about watching Matt Brown and, and Court McGee. I tell my hat to you guys. Congratulations. Go back. Do, you, do you remember? Uh, God, well, it was a Eric. I want to say Eric Perez, but it's not Perez. It was a Brazilian fighter, Eric Silva. Oh yeah. You remember that fight that Matt Brown and Eric Silva had? Yes. Eric Silva was all over, but hit him to the body and hurt him, and Matt looked like Matt was going down. Yep. And Matt came back. What a comeback! What a fight! I think that was Eric. Was that Eric Silva or Eric Silva's first fight in the UFC? Because he was the jungle no. champion, wasn't he? No, no, that wasn't his first fight in the UFC. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, he uh, just a an amazing, amazing fight. What a, just a show of heart and staying with something when you're hurt and stuff and coming back. Matt Brown has had multiple fights like yeah. that. And he's had fights where, you know, I was you know the referee for a lot of his fights, and you know when he faced Robbie Lawler, <clears throat> dude, what a what a gutsy performance he put in in that man. He was getting hit with just hammers at times and just shake it off and come back and start trying to throw inside elbows and stuff you look at you go dude you are too fucking tough for your own good yeah but that's what made him who he is yeah i mean he's he's spent like i said both of them are a success story coming off the addiction and now finding this and then uh they've delivered some of the best fights so good luck to both of them uh i don't want to see either one of them lose because they're pioneers of the sport man they've been around for a bit yeah Love watching him fight. Go ahead, next fight. Carl Williams facing Chase Sherman. Carl Williams, he's an up-and-comer. Chase Sherman is a guy that we know that you know the UFC uses all the time in the heavyweight division. Uh, tough dude. We're going to see if Carl Williams can get through him. I, I do think that he can, but if he doesn't fight smart, he won't. So Yeah, Carl Williams got some power. Yes. So if he's able to touch Chase, Chase doesn't always fight the smartest fight. Nope. And so, but, he, but but he's entertaining. He is. He's entertaining as shit. Comes to fight. Next fight, Cody Stamen against Douglas DeAndraj Silva. That is a that's a really good match. It is. That that's a tough fight. Yep. Yeah. A tough fight for Cody. Yeah, it is. That's yes, a really tough fight. Yep. Um, I'm that, looking. That's, a, that's uh, a good matchup. This DeAndraj is he's just good all the way around. He's got good power on the hands. He's got good takedown defense. He's fast and good ground game. He's got good yep. ground game. He's good all the way around. Cody Stamen, he's good also all the way around. 
Um, it's going to be a good fight, but I think it's going to, it's going to lean a little bit more towards, uh, Douglas Silva, DeAndrage. Gosh, we got to start abbreviating yeah. these names. But so, I think it's actually DeAndrage Silva. I don't know whatever. who knows anymore. Carlos Olberg from City Kickboxing in New Zealand going up against Ihor Potiera, who was the man, last man to, uh, beat, uh, Shogun Hua. Didn't like the way that he kind of. Yeah. Said stuff afterwards. It was just a little bit of mistake and yeah, you know, excitement. I understand, but this is actually a really good matchup. But I really like Carlos Olberg. His standup is clean. It's sharp. He just needs to be under control and don't press too much to the point where mm-hmm. you're you're working too much. Uh, I think this is a good good stylistic matchup for him, though. Good stuff, John. Any other fights on here you want to talk about? Ah. Uh, I, I'll, I'll give it up for Gabriel Green comes in every time. Guy from California puts it on the line, man. He comes to fight. He's fighting Brian Battle, who is you know the kid who won the Ultimate Fighter. Battle's gone down to welterweight, so Green is going up to welterweight. He used to be in the lightweights, but Green is he, he brings it every fight. So does Battle. So that's going to be a great fight. All right, fun to watch. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up our UFC talk. But uh, first, make sure you guys go to OnlyFans.com slash weighing in. Subscribe to us over there. We'll be doing fan Q&A this week. Also, hit that subscribe button on our channel. We also have a clips channel with the link down below. Hit that. Subscribe to us over there. We do short clips. So if you guys are not into watching the full show, and you guys, Dave puts up some really good clips of what we talked about during the full show. If there's pieces that you really would like to uh, watch. Then you hit those instead of watching the full show. We prefer you watch the whole show, then go back and watch the clips. That'd be nice, you know. But <laughs> you'll know when Dave drops those if you guys hit the uh, little bell and the thumbs up. We appreciate you guys. Help us with that algorithm. And John? All right, for everyone out there, we decided that we were going to have to have someone in an interview that we are looking at as a guy that has been through a lot in his career and is still super young. A guy that has so much talent, has so much going for him, and has proven to be a true winner in, in just the way that he is, looks at life, the way he handles himself as a man now. Aaron Pico sat down and was uh, kind enough to talk to us, and so we have an interview with the guy that I call the Iron-Fisted Matador because I think it fits him because he does that cool little Matador thing at the end. This is Aaron Pico. All right, we have a special guest, a guy that we, unfortunately, Josh and I, being as old as we are, have known for a long time since he was actually a kid. I was watching him wrestle when he was a freshman at John Bosco High, and now he is a full-fledged man and doing incredible things in the sport of MMA. My man, Aaron Pico, how are you feeling, brother? You had a fantastic win. You got back from Hawaii. How's everything going? Everything is good. I've been really tired the last few days. Josh knows how it is after a fight. I just, I just want to sleep, and I haven't even ridden my horses because I'm so tired. But I'm, I'm happy with the win, and just uh, the adrenaline is uh, coming down, so I'm happy. But just really tired right now. How many? Uh, how long do you give yourself like this week just to kind of get your body relaxed and rested up, or are you going to take it longer than a week, or are you still in the gym? You know, just kind of going through the shadow boxing uh, movements. What, what's your routine after a fight? I've been I've been in the gym uh, lifting. I, I love to lift. It's just my, you know, I just I put on my headphones and I sometimes just spend two and a half hours and just do some uh, like bro movements and just look in the mirror and, and flex and <laughs> listen to podcasts and <laughs> it's kind of my time just 
for, for me, I just, I like doing that and um, stretching, but I'll probably give myself a week and a half and not go back in the MMA gym, but I love to be, um, there's a gym here called Frontline Coalition and it's a beautiful uh, place and I just go in there and listen to music and and uh, basically look at my biceps and do curls. <laughs> Hold it, we heard all about this weightlifting thing and you actually had some of your teammates from Jackson Wink going, dude, he's like 185 pounds. He was jacked. I mean, it was crazy. How are you going to make weight? Yeah. Yeah, no, I got pretty big in the in the off season, especially with um, after the sh- shoulder surgery. I just fell in love with lifting, and uh, I won't say my weight. I don't want to commission to see. Hear this, and I'm just I'm just kidding. But no, I got pretty big. But um, luckily, I have a good strength and conditioning coach and nutritionist, and like, the weight actually came. This was the easiest weight cut that I've ever had, and um, yeah, I just I love feeling strong. You know, you can never be too strong. I, I truly believe that. So. I'm back in it and lots of squats and good, uh, good movements. And I feel very strong. How did the cardio feel in that fight with James Gonzalez? Because we, Josh and I both talked about the switching of opponents that you had. And and I watched all kinds of film on your first opponent and really thought about how you were going to match up with him. And I thought that was an easier fight for you than when they brought in James Gonzalez, which was only on like 10 days notice. How yeah. was your, how did your cardio feel in that fight? Because he came after you. He never stopped. Very similar to the Justin Gonzalez fight. Yeah, my cardio felt really good, to be honest with you. And that was the first time in my – not that I was tired. I was never tired. I was able to push the pace. But my lungs were opened up. And I really needed to feel that going into a fight, you know, going into a third round. Um, my lungs were opened. Um, and then – Going into the third, we looked at each other, and he kind of smiled because I know that he likes he can he can put it on in the third round, and we kind of smiled at each other, and then that's when it clicked for me. Like that's why you go so hard in the conditioning to be able to push through push um, push that pace, and I'm happy I felt it, and it was a good it was a good thing. I t- I tell John all the time, and because um, as you can tell, John doesn't hit the gym very often. Um, Not anymore. <laughs> is uh, you can't replicate fight pace in the gym it's just not possible no different than wrestling like you can't replicate rep, replicate a live match you know that you do inside the gym it's not the same on the mats yeah no i agree with you i it's just different josh knows it's just different when you're in there the crowd you hear the crowd you're trying to listen to your coaches there's so many things going on but one thing that i can honestly say is i get so tired in sparring i really do like i try to go push the paces like just a pace that i can sometimes i walk out of there like wanting to just lay down um and that's the closest thing that i can do to rep- to simulate a fight but one thing i don't i don't do is i try to i don't hold back in sparring where i'm like oh, i'm gonna just take it easy and so that I, I i push it till i i can't go anymore you know and, and that's it's it's reassuring going into a fight knowing that you, know, you do that because some people are scared to get tired you know it, it's just sometimes a scary thing uh, that is know? a very scary thing you know, it, you know that usually will create more fear in a fighter than any opponent they're facing. It's the fact of, I can't get tired. If I get tired, then someone has an advantage over me and can do damage to me. You know, almost every child goes through that experience, whether it's the first time on a wrestling mat, first time in a jiu-jitsu match, judo match, whatever it is, even sometimes running track and field. If you ever notice when kids, they cry after a loss or even when they're crying on the mat, it's because they're not, they don't understand what it's like to get tired. Because I've coached a lot of kids 
I'm like, what's wrong? I can't breathe because you're tired. (laughs) And so they panic. They don't know what it's like to be exhausted. And as they get better at sports, they develop that. And as you get to the premier level, top level like yourself, and you've developed that, you know, to push through, which is one of the hardest things for a lot of athletes to do. Yeah, no, I agree. It's funny when I was a kid, my my dad used to always tell me that it's just that voice in your head telling you you're tired, just push through it. And I used to always like, oh, there's a ghost inside me. It's it's, it's it, that's telling me that I'm too tired. Just don't listen to it and just go. Um, but no, it, it it's a true it's a true thing. Like that's why I just try to push it in training because I don't. I never want to go into a fight thinking, is my cardio going to hold up? That is a, that scares the shit out of me, to be honest with you, you know? So, um, just uh, the guy that I just fought, I think he's uh, he was waiting for that third round, but little did he know that I was I was ready to uh, to go as deep as I needed to take it. Let, I want to go back with your career and talk about you as a fighter, your evolution of things. And how everything you know started. You, know, you came in super young. You wanted to be the youngest world champion, and yeah. totally, that's, it's okay. It's all it's all understandable. Uh, and you had that first loss, and then a lot of people, you know, jumped on the bandwagon against you, saying, "See, you guys don't know. You had so much skill and so much ability and athletic ability. Your wrestling was phenomenal. Your your stand up and your boxing was great, and everyone." was almost like rooting against you to a point. But I always look and say, look, it takes more than just the athletic ability. It takes more than just the skill. You have to know that there's the ability to fight and there's knowing how to fight. There's a difference. Talk to me about your evolution as a guy that thought you knew how to fight, but now you're showing that you know how to fight. Yeah, it was... uh... It's, it's, you know, I think if I was to, to tell a young fighter, I think you should never put, put that pressure on you. Like, I have to do this. I have to do that. You know, everybody has their own different path, and you always hear that. But that's a lot of pressure saying, oh, I need to be the youngest, because then you're just like in the rush. You're like a rush. I got to do this. I got to do that. But MMA is a whole different ball game. you know. For me, it's the hardest thing that I've ever done. I know a lot of people say that wrestling is the toughest thing, and, you know, but for me, MMA is the hardest sport in the world. It really is. It's just so. There's nothing like an MMA fight. It's 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 crazy. And back to my first fight. What I knew, I I didn't know anything to be honest with you. Now looking back, I I had no clue. I mean, I had the boxing, I had the wrestling, and I was able to you know beat guys in the gym. But it's a whole different it's a whole different ball game when you're in there in the crowd. And then outside of it too, you know, the media and the pressure and the hype. I'd be lying if I said it didn't get to me. It did. Um, and it's kind of, it can break a lot of people. But one thing that I kind of just told myself is to just, I have the skills. I'm, I'm beating guys in the gym that have fought for championships and this and that. I know I just need the experience. And when it clicks, it's going to click. And it's still, I'm, it's still a work in progress. I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm nowhere. The ceiling, that's what's so special about me is the ceiling is so, it's, it's high. I, I still have so much room for growth. And, um, but if I can go back to my old, Back in the past, and tell myself, I would have just told myself, "Hey, just slow your roll and uh, take, take, take." Um, not easier fights, just guys that had the same experience as me. That's all, that's all I needed, you know. Let me ask you this: the in the beginning, when you first came in, why why did you why did you want to fight at fifty five? Why didn't you just start off at forty five? What was the thought process behind that? Not having to lose weight. <laughs> no, no, going to, going to the gym and getting those buys. 
I took the advice from somebody that was 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 in my camp. I don't want to say names no. or, or or point no, fingers or anything good. like that, but they they advised me to to go to 155. And the reason why they advised me to, they said I'd be a lot faster. And um and and uh, I said okay. Well, I I think yeah, I don't have to cut weight. 155 seems good. It was it was probably one of the biggest mistakes I could have done. Um, but it is what it is. Like Josh says, hindsight. Fifty fifty. <laughs> my guy, God. my guy, I love it. Pretty soon, I'm gonna have yes. everybody saying it, baby. High size, fifty fifty. Yeah, but no, it it was crazy. It's crazy to think that I was at one fifty five, and especially the guy that I fought my first fight, Zach Freeman. He was a big guy. I remember looking at him, saying, "Holy shit, this is gonna. I don't know how this is gonna end up." I uh, yeah, it was a big mistake. One fifty five. Or being around Islam and Habib and all them and guys that are fifty five. There's no way that I'm a I'm a fifty five. Or even right now, I, I just uh, I'm too. Not to say maybe when I'm you know years from now, but I, I make featherweight comfortably. I mean, it takes some work, of course, but it always it's always gonna take a little bit of effort. But I just I feel like I'm a solid forty five er. I agree. I, I, I feel like this is a perfect weight class for you. And, um, you know, when you, when I put you against guys like Jeremy Kennedy, guys against like Patricio, Mads Brunel, those guys in that weight class, I think body frame wise, stylistically, you match up very well with all of them. The speed of it all, the wrestling, obviously pedigree, I think goes to you for sure. But then, you know, the boxing, all of that stuff, you match up extremely well with all of them across the board. Absolutely. I think so. I think my, my frame and, and my, my reach and I'm just a perfect 45er and, uh, I don't see myself going up to 55 anytime soon. I, I'm too, I'm too small. You know, look at, I've been standing next to Usman Nurmagomedov and I'm like, no, there's no way I can, he's just too big, you know, he's too big, he's you know, you know, yeah. when you, when you take a look at your record and everything and you have, you were on a, you were on a hot streak. I think you had six wins in a row when you took on Jeremy Kennedy and you had an unfortunate, Injury occurred during the fight. You threw your arm out for a punch, and your shoulder dislocated. Were you having shoulder issues in training before that? No, I wasn't actually. Well, I mean, just I went to California like three months before before the fight got announced, and I went and wrestled, and my shoulder came out. But then, it, like within five seconds, it was already already back in. I was able to do pull ups, and everything was fine. So I just said, you know what? Maybe my shoulder was just out. And just put it back in, and I didn't really know the I didn't know the severity of it. It was hurting. It was hurting really bad. But I'm like, let me just give it a few days. A few days went by, and I was like, okay, I'm okay. I'll be fine. All through training camp, I my shoulder never came out one time. Everything was good. I felt strong, and um, it was just a, like I said that it was something was off. You know, something was off in the first thirty seconds. It was out. But uh, if it, if it would have came out in training camp. I would have called the fight because it probably would have. I probably would have had to go see a doctor, you know. But it was just unfortunate timing, to be honest. It's just a freak accident. When you when you're looking at what's going on right now in the 145 pound division, you've got Patricio who's going to be fighting Pettis at 135. And I know you and I had talked. You don't want the division to be held up. Um, that fight's going to happen, and then there's going to be some time he's going to take off. He's going to probably end up fighting Patchy Mix, which means another probably at least three or four more months. Has anyone said to you or, you know, any interest in, I know there is an interest on your part. You made it very clear after your fight, very well played, Which my friend. Which was outstanding. Perfect. That's what you're supposed to is, do. Yeah. Yeah. 
that fight potentially between like say you and Jeremy Kennedy getting it back for an interim title has there any been any has there been any conversation about an interim title until the dust settles uh for Patricio that's what I was told before the fight I said they they um Ali my manager said that 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 makes the most sense to do an interim title um and I said yeah absolutely I would love to run it back with Jeremy Kennedy but then now Jeremy Kennedy and stuff like that is going on on Twitter saying I need to fight ranked guys and do all this stuff how could i how could i do all this stuff and it's like i i, I want to just make it very very clear that i asked to fight ranked guys i asked to fight jeremy kennedy straight out of surgery the answer was no and there's guys in the, in the top 10 that i asked to fight but all the answer was no so my my words to ali were i just want to fight give me a fight so they said they said will you fight auto i said absolutely let me fight him so it's not me saying, oh, I'm trying to pick my opponents. Some of the guys in the top 10 don't want to fight, yeah. you know. Now now I, I seen that Bellator came out with the rankings. I'm number three, Kennedy's number two, Boris is number one. And the first thing I see in the comment section is Adam Borg saying, me and Kennedy, Kennedy need to run it back. That doesn't make sense. You already beat Kennedy. How come you're calling him out, you know? Like, it doesn't, just doesn't make sense. Like, I'll fight you, Borg. You know, I, I, I they told me I was going to fight you. For in Hawaii, mm. and somehow it didn't happen because he's hurt or whatever, or, or you know. But Kennedy, I think, is really ducking that fight. I, I truly believe that. You it, know? That's and, but I, I think it makes- that's an interesting uh, take from Adam Boris because I just saw on social media like the week of Hawaii that he said I'm only about eighty percent. I've been dealing with a lot of injury after my after my surgery. Like he's not even able to fully train at a hundred percent yet. So what do you mean run it back? Like <laughs> it's. Yep. Read the comments. Read the comments. I, I I just stumbled upon it. It said, I said, I said, am I reading this right? Adam Boris wants to run it back with Kennedy. You've already beaten him. That doesn't make sense. You know, like that yeah, does. I, I don't know. You you don't think that makes sense? You think it makes sense? Absolutely. I I would definitely rather go against someone that I know that I'm faster than in the stand up. I've got <laughs> oh, a very good. I was like, yeah, Billy, no, yeah, no, no, no. This I'm thinking like yeah. I would think here. No, this is a great idea. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But you know what? I'm I'm ready for I'm ready for whatever. If they offer me another guy, then I'll fight. But I definitely think that Kennedy and I running it back makes the most sense. I, it just I, does. Well, I think you got the right mindset in the fact of don't worry about it. It's coming. Yeah. And that's yeah. all you got. I'm that's all you gotta know. Now. Would sure, would you, you be know, would you be opposed sorry to interrupt? Would you be opposed to the Adam Boric, you and him see where the dust settles and then you and then if you know, obviously if you come out on top, the winner fights Jeremy Kennedy for an interim title? Are you opposed Why to that? Not the Adam Boric for the interim title. I would fight Adam Boric for the interim title. I would love that fight. I am chomping at the bit. The only reason why I'm saying Jeremy Kennedy right now is because because I want to run it back, but if I fight Adam Borg for the interim title, I would love it. I would love that fight. I pray for it. Well, the reason why you know? I say the reason why I said you and Adams, I wouldn't say it for the interim title. I'd say you and Adam to fight to see if who Jeremy Kennedy fights for the interim title because Jeremy is technically coming off the win over you with the shoulder. And I know it's not the way that we want to talk about it, but it's still a W. So he's coming off a win where Adams coming off of a loss. So having him fight for the interim title doesn't really make sense right now. So you coming off of this win. And then getting the win, and whoever wins that fight, you number one, or him number one, you number three, and then Jeremy Kennedy fights, you know, for the uh, interim title against the winner of between you two. And I know you'd like to have that fight back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to answer your question, um, I think I'll just let the boss. There you the go. Boss, <laughs> I, 
And uh, yeah. I know what I want. I want to fight for a title. Yeah. I don't want to say anything. Well, you said this. No, um, I'll just I'll just let the boss and Ali talk, and I just got to be healthy, and I'll fight whoever. I, I'll get I'll get the belt when when the time is right. But my job is to just be ready when that 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 uh, phone rings. You know. Absolutely. When you, when you take a look at the the way that the featherweight division is unfolding now with Patricio kind of stepping to the side. There's a whole lot of openings there for everybody, you know, in that. And you're looking and you say, you coming off of a win, like, you know, Josh is saying, Adam's coming off of the loss to Patricio. Jeremy's sitting there. He's got the win against Pedro Carvalho was his last fight. It makes sense for them to run it back between you and Jeremy Kennedy since your fight with him, although yeah, it's a win for him, there is a question mark on it. There's an asterisk because your shoulder came out and we, everyone could see you were fighting that fight with one arm and the doctor you know, would not let you go on into the second round. So it's kind of a simple formula here if you look at it. And then maybe Adam Borch gets to fight the person that does get that interim title. I think so. I think that that makes a lot of sense. I, you know, I don't. I just want to keep fighting to put me towards that title. That's the ultimate, the ultimate goal. I'm number three, and it's a big risk to fight these guys that have nothing to lose. Honestly, I mean, it's it's hard. Um, but that's just what I was told before the fight. Said, you know, win this fight and then and fight Kennedy for. It makes sense for you and Kennedy to run it back for an interim title, and. Um, We'll have to see, you know, what we'll to see when Adam Borges is going to be even, even, re, even be ready, and um, yeah, that's it's uh, that's why I'm not the president of the company. I don't, I don't. Make these decisions. <laughs> I tell people when they start asking and me that. Neither stuff. are we. Yeah, when, when people start asking me like, how come this guy doesn't fight this guy and this guy want this guy to fight this guy? I say, hey, that's above my pay grade. Way yeah. above our pay grade. All, all complaints you got to submit to the to the the top level guy. Look, I'm going to go down the, the featherweight rankings, the new ones that are out that just released uh, yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yeah, no, uh, Monday. Yeah. Was it yesterday or Monday? Um, I think it was Monday. So Patricio's obviously at the top, but he'll be fighting uh, Pettis at 135. Adam Boric, number one. Jeremy Kennedy, number two. You, number three. Pedro Cavallo, number uh, four. AJ McKee is still in the mix. He's made it very clear that he's not fighting at 45 again. He has no desire to make the weight cut. He's put his muscle on the way he wants to put his muscle on, and he's doing very well there at that weight class. There's no reason for him not, if you know, for him to go back down. Uh, he's also locked up with this uh, small uh, tournament called the World Grand Prix. <laughs> so he's going to be locked up for he, a while. He has an opponent. Yeah, the he's... And so, uh, but then you've got Maz Burnell. I've always thought that'd be a fantastic fight between the two of you guys. He was phenomenal this last week. Did you get a chance to watch him this last week against Justin Gonzalez, who is someone you faced? I did. I did, yeah. He's he's good. You know, he's very good on the ground and um, striking. He kind of just goes forward. I thought Justin Gonzalez's game plan was just kind of it was not how I would have fought Mads Brunel. Um Yeah, I wanted to fight Mads Brunel actually in Hawaii, to, to be honest with you. And uh, him and I have the same manager, but Ali said that he wanted to only fight in Europe. Mm -hmm. That's what I was told. Yeah. So. I, I wanted to fight. I wanted to fight Matt Brunel. I said, "Well, none of the other guys. I mean, I can fight Matt Brunel. That makes that makes mm -hmm. sense." Somehow, kind of the question got dodged, and <laughs> I had Otto Rodriguez. I'm just being. I'm just being frank, yeah. you know. I'm just being. Front, you know? 
I mean, I, I look at it from a manner's point of view, and I understand why. If, if I'm Ali, yeah. I don't want it. Yeah. I'm just telling you right now. It's like, no, no I don't want one of my I guys. Don't wanna, I don't want to lose one of my guys yeah, down it. the rankings. And both of you guys are headed back up to the t- him, yeah. getting back towards that title shot, you being right there at the peak. Um, you know, kind of playing it safe. You take a take take a page out of, like I say, with the uh, and John says too, is the UFC. Like, only when you have two guys that are have a loss is you have them fight each other. So at least one of them gets a win and starts making a run back towards the top again. You know, um, this is very smart. I think as a manager, it'd be like, hey, let's uh keep you guys separate until we have to make that fight because there'll be more money involved also too down the line. Um, when you look at guys like UK Mads Brunel and then Justin Gonzalez, there's this young kid. I think he's only 20 years old. Is he 19 or 20? Uh, Tamur Kiziev. Have you seen him? Yeah, of course. I've seen everybody in the time. I study everybody. What's your yeah, thoughts? What's on? What's your thoughts on this young man? I have to watch more more video on him. I haven't watched him a crazy amount, but of course I know who he mm-hmm. is, and and I'm, I'm sure he's very good at grappling. He's from Dagestan, I'm mm-hmm. assuming. Is he Dagestan? Yep. Yes, he is. Uh, probably a very good striker. Um, yeah, I, I you know I have to be ready to fight everybody. You know, and, um, I'm sure he's going to make his way to the top and probably see each other down the line. You know, okay. so yeah, John. So in the perfect world. Now that you got this win, if you were going to set things up and if you were going to talk to Scott Coker and say, Scott, here's the right game plan, what would it be? Would it be you facing Adam Borch or Jeremy Kennedy first? Well, if I was sitting down with Scott Coker at the table, I'd say, listen, I think the best thing would be for me to fight Jeremy Kennedy, me for the interim title, me take the title from me, win the world title. My first title defense be against Adam Bork, beat Adam Bork, revenge of that loss, and then fight Patricio Pitbull, then beat him, and then solidify myself as a 145-pound king. See, look at that. We're done. All he, <laughs> so, there it is. That's it's why always this easy. Um, <laughs> it's so yeah. simple. I'm glad you pointed it out for everyone, Aaron. When you, when you were... <laughs> that's, that's what I could do. <laughs> that's what I like. When you were coming up, right, we had talked about you're coming up you weren't ready for the uh, the Zach Freeman fight. Then you made some changes. You know, after you know after your first couple of fights, you made some changes and went over to Greg Jackson's. You've got a great camp behind you now. Tell me with your coaches, what is it? What has it really been with with them that has really connected with you? And you've fallen in love with Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we just had a guest on who was in Albuquerque, Albuquerque, and he's like, "This place ain't for me." <laughs> so, yeah, what is the difference between you? And you feeling like this is like this is more up your alley of being there and with with the great Jackson camp. Well, I, I we just click very, very well. Like I, I one, I move, you know, people come all the time and they always say, well, I don't get the attention. I don't do this. I don't get that one. I moved to Albuquerque. And the coaches saw that, and I and I and I saw them every single day. I made a I made a choice, a life choice, to move my camp out here to invest in myself. And I invested in in, in the city and in, in Jackson Wink, and then the coaches invested me, invested in me, and uh, we just clicked very very well. And and I I trust them, uh, I love them, I consider them family. And two, I know a lot of people will always talk crap on Albuquerque, like there's not a lot to do. Yeah, to be honest with you, yeah, it's, there, there, there probably isn't. You know, like if you're out, you want to go out and clubs and shopping and this and that. You know, whatever different. You know, different shows for different folks. But for me, I like 
I like the horses. I have it's a nice horse community. I have my horses in the backyard. I like the pace of life. I'm very focused. I'm 10 minutes away from the gym. And I'm trying to be a world champion. I'm not really concerned about anything else going out or going this and that. I I just I love it here. You know, it's a good you know, it's if you open your heart to it, there's a lot of good people you can meet. Mm-hmm. And if you come with the attitude like this place is horrible, it's probably going to be horrible, you know? <laughs> but I came with the I came with the mindset I want to have a clean heart. I want to have an open mind, and uh, let's see what we can do. And it turned out well for me. In your gym, your go ahead, John. No, sorry, go ahead. In your in, in Jackson Winks, who are your main sparring partners and training partners? And if there's any ones that we don't know of, I mean, what should we expect from those younger, talented guys that are coming up? Yeah, I, sp- I sparred a lot. Of, I spar a lot with Diego Brandao. Um, I spar a lot with the 145er for Bellator, Isaiah Hockett. Um, and then there's, you know, some guys that are, you know, on the regional scene that are, you know, um, not in the UFC or anything like that, that I spar. But for me, I'll be honest with you, do we, is it Jackson Wink have the names like it had in, in, in the past and, and just flowing in? No, it, it doesn't. But they have a lot of hardworking guys there and I, and I have uh, people that I can drill with. But for me, I always think the most important thing is coaching. Mm. If I could have the coaching and they can set, put me on a path and give me a sense of direction of where I need to go or where I need to drill, I'll seek out the partners. I can I can go to Vegas for a week or meet Ali or go train with Habib and work on the things that I need to work on. And then when I need to come back for training camp, get with my coaches and, and, and hone in on the details. But I, I think a lot of people don't realize how important coaching is. And for me, that's the most important thing. It's, it's good to have – you can have 20 killers in the gym and you can have 10 hard – Rounds of sparring and this and that. But if you don't have the coaching, mm. for me, I don't think that's beneficial. I, so I may not have 30 partners, you know, like killers, you know, like a like a top team or, or that. But I can honestly say that I have the 100% undivided attention from, from my coaches. And I think that's why I'm progressing so Isaiah Ho gets really good. He's good on the ground. He's got, he's got, his hands are getting better. He's young. He still has a lot of improvements to do. But... He's definitely made some changes since his first fight, and then uh, he's coming on strong, man. He's a, I would imagine he's a great training partner for you. He's a great training partner. I, I'm not, and not a lot of people like to go with me, but that guy is uh, is a gamer. I mean, he's he we we can go, uh, you know, pretty hard as far as pace, and and he his grappling is getting a lot better. He's a high level wrestler. I sparred a lot with him before this, so it was actually good that I had that opponent change because he's a southpaw, and uh, having you know. Um, uh, my last opponent, uh, Southpaw, I was able to kind of make some adjustments and had. Some He's from the Clovis like Fresno area, right? Hokit. Yeah. Good kid. Yeah. Good kid. All Super right. Cool I'm, I'm going to ask you a couple things, so you got to stick with me. Yes, Your sir. coaches, you got obviously Greg Jackson, Mike Winklejohn, and Brandon Gibson. There. One word, Greg Jackson. Give it to me. One word, Greg Jackson. That's 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 a tough one. One. I just think a general. Okay. <laughs> a general. Brandon Six Guns Gibson. Um. Don't say maniac. No, no, no. He's a maniac in a good way. Um, Brandon Gibson. Um. Open-minded. Open-minded. For that's sure. two words, Aaron. But that's okay. <laughs> now give me. Winkle, Mike Winkle, John. Tough. 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 Okay, I like that one. 
What uh, what's what's something that you would like people to, you, you you talk about? You went there for the coaches, and, and I agree with you. I've known Greg Jackson now for over twenty years. I you you see when I I'll go up and talk with him and stuff all the time, and and I did that from the moment that we we met. I was like, this guy's smart, and I would sit there and talk to him, and we would go over stuff. When when you when you're able to sit down with someone like Greg Jackson and just talk about fighting, be it your fight, someone else's, explain what that's like to people. Honestly, sometimes I I I just am like in awe. You know, he's able to calm my calm my mind down a lot because I sometimes tend to overthink and I'll ask him questions about fighting and I'm nervous and this and and, and all kinds of things and he's able to just just get into my head and I believe everything that, you know, that he, he tells me and, and, um, and not just, just fighting. I talk about like a lot of life advice and, you know, if I need the help on, you know, certain things, I'll go to him and, and he'll definitely break it down for me. Talk about, um, you know, strategic, you know, like old, I was asking like who he looks up to and warriors and leaders and, and he says like me that. all the time, right? That's, you know, for sure, exactly. For sure. Okay. We're good. That's all. That's all anyone needs to know. <laughs> Yeah. Oh jeez! It's just—it's just so crazy. I just think like, I just—he's just a general that I would go to war with. Honestly, like if he's like, "Hey, listen, we need to go to war," I would go with him. You know, I—I I even before this fight, you know, a lot of people would say, "Just go get the takedown," and, and I could have made it very—I could have made it very, very easy. Just get the takedown. But what he told me before the fight, he said, "I know it's going to be very, very scary, but for your growth and your evolution, I need you standing as much as you possibly can." So a lot of people are not going to agree with that, but that's why I make world champion. I said, yes, sir, coach. If you tell me to go do a fucking backflip off the cage in the first <laughs> 10 seconds, I'll do it. So that's why I stood. And he's like, if, if you know, if he's in the guard, get up and get comfortable, you know, and just, just get used to that, pro in that process of the crowd and everything going. And then he did say, if you need to slow the fight down and just kind of take a breath, get a couple takedowns, slow the fight down. And if you get back on your feet, just, just um do that and he's like there's a there's a there's a strategic plan that i'm doing i know a lot of people are watching us patricios and the boards just stay on your feet for this one stay on your feet and and uh, it will all make sense i said yes sir coach you got it so that's why that's why i was mainly standing you know yeah, and I, I will give you credit because i swear when i asked you the question the first thing that comes to mind when i look at greg jackson leader and you leader. said general that's even better than leader way to go <laughs> yeah yeah he's uh he's I, it's a good guy to have in your corner. Him and Brand, Coach Gibson just work so good together. You know, there's no ego in there. If Greg tells Brandon to do something, he makes he'll do it. And then vice versa, Brandon's like, Coach, I'm feeling this. I think this. Then they're all ears, you know, and they just have a really good uh, chemistry. You know, I'm not. I'm not as an athlete. Sometimes you try to appease all the coaches, and you're kind of like, Well, he wants me to do this. He wants me to do that. No, I don't have to feel that guilt of like, uh, well, this coach wants me to do this and this. Everybody knows their role, and that's, that takes a lot of uh, pressure off me. When you found out it was James Gonzalez that you were going to be fighting, and then you knew you understood how tough he was, you understood that he was just someone who was always there in the third round, but people don't understand how difficult it is to face some, to have a change of opponent within the last, like, say, 10 days, five days, whatever, two weeks. That change of opponent, what can you explain maybe better than I could is what was going through your mind when you got the opponent change, then the sparring sessions have to change, the way you grapple, the way you wrestle has to change. A little bit of your preparation kind of had to change. Like tell me 
Can you explain to people on what changes and what, what mentality did you go through during those changes? Yeah, just little, little, um, details as far as watching his fights of what he likes to, you know, he's kind of tricky on the ground. Um, just, I know he was acceptable for right head kicks. I th- should have threw more of those. So we were just kind of just doing little details, but there's really not much that you could possibly do because, um, you were preparing for another guy. Um, and then 10 days notice is really not, you're really not going to get much better in that, in that, in that time frame. But one thing I can say about this is that this is one of like the most nervous I've ever been before a fight. I don't know why, I don't know what it was or whatever, but I was feeling the nerves pretty bad going into this fight. Um, and, uh, and I'm glad that I was able to, and, and, and I'm, and they didn't eat me up like where I was going to like fold or anything like that. I just was feeling the nerves for some reason so bad this fight, you know, and I'm not ashamed to say that, um, because he was a tough guy. He's fought in some tough, some, some heavy hitters. He knocked his last guy out. He's wild. He's a Southpaw. Southpaw sometimes can be tricky. And, uh, I'm glad I went to this. I, I think as a fighter, this really helped me in my growth as a, as a, uh, as a, as a MMA, uh, a martial artist. I think it really helped me. No, I, I will tell you, I've watched a lot of James Gonzalez. He's a gamer. The guy yeah. is absolutely tough as hell. Got a big win against Cody Lawn, his first fight in Bellator and proved himself. And then both Josh and I were happy. He got a contract because he actually agreed to fight you. So that's, that's a good thing. I like yeah. that. That's awesome. Yeah. I was wondering too, when I watched the Cody Law fight, you know, Cody Law was, you know, doing doing some damage on the feet. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I wonder why he wasn't taking him down because I, you know, I was wondering because I, I think he knew that he was tricky. You know, Matt Sarah, I've seen some fights where he's dislocated the guy's arms. You know, he's doing some grappling matches. But I could have done a little bit more damage on, on the grappling. You know, I, I've, I grapple with some, some high-level guys and, and I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm really good at grappling, to be honest with you. And, um, but I just followed the game plan with Greg, but I was wondering why Cody Law didn't try to take him down or, you know, but he is a gamer. He's fought in some tough guys. Aaron, you are still so young. You're 26 years of age. Have you thought, have you thought about, I mean, that's young, especially I can guarantee, you know, Josh is double your age. Okay. And you can see it. You can see it in the skin. It's sagging. Now it's just, it's getting bad. But it says droopy over here. This is this, the guy with the three chins. Uh, I don't have three chins. I may have, I may have a face like a Sharpay puppy, yeah. but I don't have three chins. He's speaking facts right now. He's speaking facts. Yes, Sharpay speak puppy. But seriously, at 26 years of age, you got so much time in front of you. What is it when you look at, obviously you've talked, I want, I want a championship fight next. How far are you are you looking to take this? Is it just a matter of as long as you're having fun and and doing what you love, you're going to stick with it, or have you thought about that at all? Of course, it always runs through your mind about when you know re- you know retirement, like or when when you know what um, what you're going to do. Uh, but for me, I just have to stay healthy. You know, it'd be nice to be able to go out like a Habib on my terms and um, be able to just walk out healthy and and be able to not have to be 40 years old fighting for you know money and this and that but right now i can honestly say that the money that i'm getting and and and, and taking care of my body i'm really working on investments and and rentals and 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 setting up my future so when i do um decide to walk out i can go and enjoy a good life you know and it all starts now you got to sacrifice now 
I got to sacrifice as far as taking care of my body, what I put in, and so I can have a long, you know, healthy career. I don't want to be too long, but I want to be a good a good amount of time. I don't want to be too long. That's it. Yeah, a good amount of time. And then also, I'm just going to be up front. You know, a lot of people don't like to talk about money. But no, the money that I am getting now, I'm being very smart with it. Starting to work on some investments, flipping some properties, making some extra cash. And um, and I'm really proud of where I'm going, you know, and because and, I don't want to be broken and being like, fuck, I need to take this fight because I need to know I, I want to be able to just go out how I want to go. And um, it all starts now. So I'm starting to lay the groundwork so good, I can good for have, you. A, have a healthy exit. I, I talked to him, John, uh, this last weekend uh, about him buying houses and him flipping houses. He he's He's a man that will do something like John will. He'll pick up a hammer and do some work. This guy will not do that. <laughs> No, that that guy will not. I, I, Pico, I did construction through all through high school in the summers, did roofing, did concrete. And when I got to the point where I didn't have to do it anymore and I could pay someone to do it, that's what I did. You're smart. You'll still swing a hammer. You'll still do all that stuff, put in the grunt work. I, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. That's, uh, I, I have some, I have some help, you know, I have, I have some help and, and things like that. But, uh, yeah. It's, construction is a whole different oh. i've never i haven't done too much i haven't done any a lot, lot of construction but it's a different type of strength oh. it's a different type of being tired you know my hats off to them construction workers you know i'll do construction and roofing i didn't mind the roofing a lot of people hate roofing because it gets so hot up there but man the car oh, roofing sucks because of the angle no it's the standing on that angle the whole time that's because you're Horrible. a big boy i wasn't a big boy i didn't have to put a lot of weight down at a different <laughs> angle it was the concrete they had me in the middle trying to push the the concrete around you're in well, that's because they were trying to stick were, you down there hoping and make it sure would that you there forever. <laughs> they were hoping it would dry and I'd get stuck in there. Oh, man. Um, I, the other thing, too, is, um, you know, you're sponsored by Monster. Monster had a big uh, – we did like a training session with Big Boy. You had a chance to meet with Big Boy. One of the nicest speaking guys I think uh, I've ever been around. Super friendly, super – but just a massive guy. John talks about how big his back is and everything like that. Um, what, was your, what was your experience uh, chatting with him over the weekend? That's exactly what I thought. He was one of the nicest guys that I've ever met. I met him one time at Ruka. He came up to me and was like, hey, man, how's it going? I'm a big fan of yours. And, you know, and I was like, well, I've been watching all your stuff. And he's just a really, really, like, soft-spoken guy, you know. And it's awesome being with Monster. And they've been with me from the beginning. You know, Hans has been a big supporter of mine. And I said in my post-fight, post not on, on when Big John was talking to me, but Hans is a really solid guy, man, and he really helped me out. When he, they had a, when I was on a two-fight lose streak, I got knocked out two times. They had an opportunity to basically re-sign me. And I always tell the story because it's, it means a lot to me. I remember getting on the phone with Hans and saying, man, I, I know my contract is going to be up. You know, I'm on a two-fight losing streak. I just, I, I will be a world champion. I know I, I, I can do it. You know, basically, you guys going to re-sign me. And his answer was like, "Of course, I'm going to resign you." He's like, "I'm, you're young. You're going to be a world champion. I, I'm going to, we're going to stick it out. We're going to be by you through the thick and thin." And ever since that moment, I wear, I wear the monster uh, with pride. And all my sponsors, David August and Ruka Pat Tenori, they've, they've always called me and encouraged me when I was at my lowest point that you're going to do it. You're going to be a world champion. And I can honestly say that I love my sponsors. You know, yeah. they were there for me when, when they didn't have to. They could have been. Oh, you're sorry, man. We'll get a few more wins and then we'll re reconsider it. No, they stick by me. 
And Josh knows that those sponsorships help out a yeah. lot, especially when, you know, you're not fighting. I didn't fight for almost a year after the Borgs fight. Those sponsorships kind of, you know, Pat, you know, keep the lights on and keep food on the table, you know. Yeah. Pat from Ruka is one of the most solid guys I've ever been around, man. Uh, he's he's a good guy. Very soft-spoken. Uh, you know, his kids are fantastic. He's just a really good person. Love the energy he brings. Yeah. He's always positive, always just, you know. He, he always tried to bring in people that he supports and, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, same thing with, uh, with monster, with, uh, with, uh, big boy and those guys very saucy. Did he have you try the Superman push up? Do you guys get any of that on no, foot? I, oh, was, don't, I don't think I would have done it because it was the day before way. Yeah. I was running on fumes, <laughs> bro. I, we did it side by side, uh, on the, on one of the videos and I, I jumped up and I was like, maybe this far, I would say maybe four inches five maybe five if i'm bl if i'm lucky if i'm exaggerating here a little bit maybe four or five inches off the ground this dude was like a foot and a half and he weighs about 290 something and he made it look yeah. easy i was like what the hell and it was crazy to watch someone pop like that and then i saw him do it in the beach in the sand he did it probably i'd say another foot foot and a half off the ground john this guy is he's an athlete man and we did some tussling and some grappling and he was trying not to put too much weight on me, man. But he, he locked his. He looked, he looked good, and you know, Brandon was holding mitts for him, and he looked good. He has fast hands. He actually was throwing decent shots. You, you see, guys, all of a sudden, you know, starting to do some mitts, and you go, "Yeah, no, don't do that." Yeah, he actually looked really good. Well, you know, there's been there's been a little bit of a call out. Tito Tito Ortiz been calling him out, saying, "Hey, I want to fight you." Tito's trying to get a fight with everyone, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, but. Big boy, man, he's a nice guy. He's super nice, very soft-spoken, so cool. pretty damn good athlete. And, uh, yeah, I, there was something I did want to ask you. When you started For off sure. at Greg Jackson's, uh, John Jones was still there, correct? Mm -hmm. What was your relationship sure. with him? And, what you know, when you watched him ever in the gym, you know, what's your take? I like to get fighters' takes on other fighters because the coaches will say whatever, managers will say whatever. We see how damn good he is now, even at heavyweight. You know, we see how good he is. But what's, what was your take on him and your perception of him when he was there? Because he said he said yeah, some nice I, things I, about you. He said a lot of yeah, nice things no, about no, you. For sure, for sure. No, he's been nothing but welcoming to me, especially when I first came. And um, I watched him train a few times. He would train really late at night, you know, especially with the coaches and stuff. But he was always so so just nice. And I kind of just – it was just like hi and bye and just give me a little advice. Like one thing he told me, he told me that – he always thinks about when he goes into a fight, when the bell's about to ring, he always just tells himself, I'm just going to have fun. I'm just going to have fun. Let's just have fun. The work is done. And he said, just kind of keep that in your head. But one thing that I can honestly say about that I hear, because I asked the coaches, how's John doing? And is that dude is, is just studies a lot of fighting. And they, they just say he's just watching film constantly. Like that's all he does. Is, like he'll watch his opponent every single day until the lead up to a fight and just over notes and, and uh, I asked, I, it's funny, I asked Coach uh, Gibson, I said, just tell me one John Jones story. He said, I have a good story for you. He said, it was the night before Leota, the Leota Machida fight. He said, it was three in the morning. And, and, and John, he, he was staying with John. John wakes him up and he's like, Coach, get up, get up, get up. And, he, and then he's like, all right, if, if Machida goes here, I should go here. So he's like, he's like, it's like three in the morning. I'm in my boxes. And John is like wide awake like going over scenarios of the fight like at three in the morning and he said that was just he was just 
because I used to say, like, does John get nervous? He's like, oh, yeah, he gets nervous. And then he told me that story. He's like, he, of course he gets nervous. Everybody gets nervous. But he's constantly come up with scenarios. Okay, what, if he goes here, what am I going to go there? I'm going to go here. I just think he's a true martial artist, something that, you know, he's one of the greatest of all time and nothing but respectful and kind to me, you know. Do you think when I look at guys like Patchy Mix at 135, I look at guys like Corey Sanhagen also at 135, John Jones being tall, long, and lanky, all three of those guys have something common and their abilities. Do you think guys like that, that body style, gives them an advantage or it makes it very difficult? Because there seems to be a lot of them that are having a lot of success, whether it be on the feet, whether it be on the ground, John being able to do everything, you know, with his athleticism. Does that body style kind of give you worries um i i personally like to go against guys like that i i like that because i'm a, a forward fighter so when i get on the inside i can kind of like um you know stay in their chest but it doesn't worry it used to worry me a lot but i fought like john de jesus i fought um aiden lee um longer guys and i've had some success against them but it is definitely kind of weird because you know, their kicks and their range is, is frightening sometimes, but uh, I think it's an advantage. I definitely think it is. And uh, I wouldn't be mad at it if I had that, that, that reach and height. It would be awesome, you know. The future. You have a son. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little story because Valentino is growing. He's getting bigger now. And I was just watching the thing with Yancey Madero's talking about his daughter, and his, he said, you know, his daughter, when his daughter gets mad at him, she goes and watches YouTube and watches the fights that he lost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. I, it was one of the greatest things I ever heard. I was like, oh, my God. That, that's something I guess you really – I wouldn't think of a kid doing that. Ruthless. That's funny. How are you going to introduce your son, Valentino, to the world that you are such a big part of MMA? Is it you're going to separate yourself? Because I know Josh – really separated you know his family life and his fight life away are you going to bring him into it have you thought about those things um of course i've thought about it you know so occasionally he'll go with me to the gym and watch me hit the bag and he's kind of he knows what's going on as far as the boxing gloves and he'll start to punch but fighting is something that you have to pick up kind of on your own and want to have to do it mm -hmm. And if he comes to me and says, Dad, this is something that I want to pursue, I would definitely be on board and give him my, my knowledge of what I know. But fighting and, and you know, wrestling, you can push kids and it's okay. And, and, and I've seen people get pushed and not like it and still be successful. You know, it's not really – it's brutal but nothing like fighting, you know. And um, if he comes to me and wants to do it, great. If not, great as well. It's not something that I want to force him upon because wow. Josh, this is a this is a brutal, brutal, cutthroat sport. Plays a lot of head trips on you, and um, it's a tough way to make money. He says, but, "It's uh, not something I want to force him on." You know, I don't want to force my son. But then when he goes, "You know what, son? You're going to ride this horse." <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's gonna ride a horse. That's dude. like wrestling. You're yeah. gonna wrestle. You're gonna ride the horse. We talked. About, we talked about it this last week. Yeah. He's like, nope. He's, he wants to do this. He wants to do. This. Nope. But son, you're gonna ride this horse. <laughs> you're gonna ride this. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But no, you know how it is. You guys have kids. You never know. He may say, "Dad, I want to play the piano." Dad, I want to play basketball. Okay. Who knows? No. You know, who knows? All we can do is introduce them to things and uh, and. Uh, 
I just want him to have a passion, you know, have a sense of direction, mm-hmm. not be in limbo, you know, and um, I'll introduce him to things and we'll see it's his life. Right. Absolutely. Well, um, I want to get you out of here on one thing, though, is I know there's some big fights coming up and stuff, but give me your take on the Patricio Pettis fight. Um, what do you, who do you think comes out and wins that fight? I think uh, Patricio is going to win. Honestly, he's just a tough. He's just a. It's not even as a veteran. He's just a good martial artist. He's just so good. You know, he's he's really he's a great champion. One of the best fighters in the world, pound for pound, in all in all um, organizations. I think that Patricio gets it done. Yeah. yeah, but you never know though. Pettis is can never count him out of the fight. Um, so we'll see. That's why I want to fight. You know, eventually fight uh, Patricio because it'd be an honor to go in the cage with him. You know, and I feel I can beat him. I really do. Well, I want to tell you thank you so much for your time. You've been fantastic here on the show, but the way that you conduct yourself as a fighter, as a father, and everything. Dude, you're doing the right things. Congratulations on all the success right now. And I can't wait to see you take that success to the next level. No, I appreciate it, guys. No, thank you for having me on. And and, I look forward to doing more interviews and doing the interview with my belt wrapped around my waist one day. There you go. That's the way to do it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. My guy, man. Thank you, guys. Best of luck, all right? We'll chat soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Josh, I know that you uh, worked out with Aaron Pico, and it was good to be able to sit there and and listen to him and, and just see the the difference in his maturity from when we first, you know, saw him when you were first working out with him to the guy that he is now. Completely different. Yeah, not just the maturity level, just everything in life. Um, yep. As you mature as a grown fighter, up. it's yeah, he's grown up. He's a, he's a full fledged man right now. I mean, he. Yep. Has a young boy himself. He, um, you know, he's 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 just matured overall. You know, he's taking care of his family, taking care of himself, making sure that he's surrounding himself with the right people, the right coaches. Um, he's sticking to his horses and sticking to you know building houses and taking care of his, himself. Really, kind of making proper right investments, um, yep. which is very smart at a young age. He's still a baby. He has a long ways to go. He's still a baby. Twenty six. Um, I know it's crazy. Isn't I it? hate him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a little jealous there, buddy. Totally um, jealous. You know, my concern with him has always been that he burns the candle on both ends. You know, yeah. um, he works so hard. He never stops. He's a fucking machine in the gym, and uh, and he just absorbs the knowledge better than almost anybody I've ever been around. Uh, you show it to him, he works it once or twice, and boom, he's got it. You're like, damn. Um, he's a phenomenal fighter. He's got a lot, he still has a lot to learn. He's figuring that of out. Course. Like in his last fight in Hawaii, there's a lot of mental that you got to go through. And he's had to deal with it with wrestling, but it's different when you're getting punched in the face. You know, the sport is different, completely different. Oh, we have used wrestling, wrestling combat sports one on one. No, it's different. It's the jitsu mentality too. Like, oh, I've been top level jitsu guy. Yeah, but when punches are coming at you, you're not a black belt anymore. You know, it's it starts dwindling down a little bit. The techniques are different. You can't utilize certain jujitsu moves or wrestling moves. You know, trying to shoot a high crotch in wrestling in MMA, your neck's gonna get taken most of the time. Totally you know, you're different. gonna get yeah, you're gonna get hit with that arm and guillotine, or you're gonna hit with no guillotine, just straight up a straight guillotine. You may get hit with that front. That front choke, you know, the basically a, a, a ninja choke, rough, front yeah, choke, ninja choke yep. or something along those lines. All of those things can happen. He's still learning and he understands that, which really makes me believe 
that he's he's going to be champion one day. You know, so the work the work ethic is there, the focus and the drive is there. All of those things are there. You know, now it's just progressively getting better and understanding when his time is. There's no rush. Twenty six. 26 man 27 that 28 the, 29 that that was the biggest problem was there was that rush but, but there here's was the thing. that oh let's be let's be you know the youngest doesn't matter he thought he, he wanted to be the youngest and he was going to push for all that stuff i get it i understand yeah. but a lot of that was not like just his doing no a lot of it was fighters Out, when he, outside influence also outside influence but not just that but then a lot of fighters that were basically didn't want to fight him you know hold on Ooh, i have to sneeze <laughs> um, oh! yeah and um a lot of fighters didn't want to fight him he shouldn't have been sorry he shouldn't have been sneeze and yawn all in one time wow what's the what's the chances of that um the top like some of the top level fighters were turning down the fights for him he wanted to fight a guy in the top 10 his first time around we we're like no let's ease into this and then so they eased into him to give him somebody but when they gave him Zach Freeman, he wasn't an easy fight either. Zach Freeman, I believe, was like eleven and two or twelve and two or something like that at the time he yeah. fought him. Zach he Freeman was, was not an easy fight. Way bigger. Yeah, way bigger. Way bigger. He's he's people. found his place at at uh, featherweight. It's a good yes. spot for him. I mean, realistically, even for when his I get frame? yeah, even when I get close to him, I'm kind of like I could see you being a thirty five pounder, but he'd have to kill himself. I'm not trying. I'm yeah. not trying to say. I'm not trying to say he should go to thirty five. I mean, he's rocked up. I mean, this guy's fucking shoulders are big, arms. Look how fucking defined he is. He's got that Frank Sh- Frank Shamrock body style a little bit. Yep, you know, very much. The chest, broad shoulders, the back, everything like that. The way he walks, kind of a little bow legged. <laughs> Nothing. It's it's the way the way it is, man. He's he's built like a fucking animal. He's built like a brick shit house for being so small. He's got power in his hands. I yep. felt it before. And uh, he's got fantastic wrestling. You know, he's working on a submission game. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal person, man, and a phenomenal athlete. Everything you want in a role model. If you have a young child who's coming up and, you know, and and, wa- and wants to, is looking at someone to admire and look up to a little bit in terms of the fight game, I can't suggest anybody else. But There's your guy. He's your guy. Yeah, I agree. Great interview, and uh, glad he came on. And uh, we've got a couple other interviews coming up this week, I believe, and uh, looking forward to dropping those. Absolutely. All right. Well, hey, is uh, Dave, is that going to do it for us? Or do we have any news? That, that's going to wrap us up. That's going to wrap Ooh, us up. Done. Just a reminder, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. Also, hit the little thumbs up when you guys leave a comment down below. We appreciate you guys. Thank you guys so much. We will be gone. I'm going to remind you guys, we will be gone to Paris this week. So our show will not come out because we will fly back on Mother's Day. We will not film on Mother's Day. Um, just letting everyone know that. No, because we want to live. Yeah, yeah. We want to spend just time part with families. Of, you know, just yeah. part of what is called common sense. This is life, my friends. <laughs> um, there's bosses in it, each house. <laughs> so it ain't each us. One of them. Uh, but no, so, so look for us to probably drop, we'll probably film Monday, Monday morning or Monday mid morning or something like that. And we'll hopefully get it out to you guys by the evening or the afternoon. So uh, that all relies on Dave and when we decide to get it done and filmed. All right. So everyone have a wonderful week and a wonderful Mother's Day. John, take us away. Happy Mother's Day to every beautiful lady out there. Even if you're not a mother, have a great day and we will see you.